11 o'clock comics, episode 118. <laughs> You're getting really good at that. Wow. It's right, the old Marvel dork in me. I start hearing these numbers, and the first thing I think of, these are some of my favorite on X issues. <laughs> what, wait, you're the Marvel dork? Being the old, the old, the old Marvel dork. I, you know, I love those those Arkham uh, Claremont uh, issues. The X-Men. This is quite my wheelhouse. David, we have an objective. We are going to reach right into Chris's little withered soul, pull that strangled Marvel fanboy out by the by the something. You need, you need to embrace that Marvel fans. Because it's in there. He's crushing it. It is in there. Not like... See, you're, you're, see you, you, you were caressing him and now you're choking. That doesn't work. Yeah, you guys, you guys carry on because I'm sitting here touching, touching my, uh, my head breathing as I read through X-Men yet again. So yeah. Pretty, 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 pretty stuff. But that's kind of redundant when you when you talk Milo Minara. Pretty. Yeah, seriously. Jeez, yeah. It is. That, that, that's another you, you, thing. Where we really need the words on the page. We don't actually. We don't need the words. And I was just thinking. I know I'm not alone. As you read through that, thinking how many of these pages were drawn sans costume, and then the costumes were put on. Yeah. <laughs> how many pinkies found waiting buttholes in that book? We'll, Jesus. Ne- we'll never know. <laughs> hey, buddies. Hey, classy. Hey. How you doing? Eleven o'clock comics. One eighteen. I am Vince B. Yes, you are. I look forward to Wednesday so much, and not even because it's it's New Comic Book Day anymore. Awesome. So I get to talk yeah. to you guys and take a little nap. I'm Chris Price. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, I'm David Price. <laughs> and I'm Roscoe P. Coltrane. <laughs> oh, man. Kicking it old school. No, you're not. You're Jason Wood. Cuff him and shuck him, baby. <laughs> you know a kicky cooter. That was one show I never watched. Really? Yeah. Oh, I would oh. just watch it for the Daisy Dukes, like her. Yeah. And then she was very special back then. She was hot. She does Barbara, the, uh, con, the con circuit these days. What's her name? Barbara uh, Bach. Bach. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, she's very. She's still very attractive, but back then, yow. Yeah. Oh, I, grew, I grew up in southern Illinois, so it wasn't that far from reality. True. Yeah. Uh, and this dose of 11 o'clock reality has been brought to you by... Oh, look at that. It's sexy. Discount. Okay, and you, you unsexy it right now. Discount. <laughs> comic book service. DCBService.com. Where you can get comic books at far less than retail. It's unbelievable. 35 to 75% off your favorite comic books and collectibles. They have monthly specials where they'll take... Uh, a very noteworthy book and slash it 50% off. It's crazy. Uh, and if you are a first-time DCBS customer, you can enter the following code, David. What is it? EOC8. Right. EOC8. Slide that in the slot. You'll make the system happy, and it will reward you with an extra 8% off your initial order. That's that's insane. You can technically get over 50% off your order. Bizarre. So, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Check them out. Steve Ditko, a wonderful array of new books from him. Some very nice picture box titles. I love them. And they're good people. We ain't shitting you. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, what's the, the ad house book that, that 
We all can't Duncan wait to the get Dog. Yes. Duncan the Wounded Dog. Yeah, pick that up because I got a feeling that's going to be that's going to be one that we'll probably dedicate an episode to. I oh, just got it's going to be hot. Yeah, it's and if you get the your copy through DCBS, you get a signed book plate. That is super cool. Yes, sweetness. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, we all drinking tonight? Yep. Cool. I'm having yeah. one of them weeks. I'm excited about mine, so I'm uh, I'm going to hold on and I'll I'll, I'll bring oh, up the shit. rear. Um, hey, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Wood, what uh, what are you sipping on this evening? Uh, I got a little little two two fisting. Um, in one hand, in honor of Dap's drink last week, uh, I'm actually have a, a glass of Jameson nice. sipping. And then in the other hand, to wash it down because, as you know, I'm not much of a whiskey drinker on the regular, so I need something to sort of mix it up. I got the I got a in honor of Vince, so I'm actually showing my love to Dap and Vince this week. I got some Yangling. Yeah. So, oh. Represent. To show some love to Chris, who's taking it with an Ambien. Oh, snap. I give you, a, you get, Jason, you get a one up for two. that. You represent it, so you get, you oh, get a one up. Yep. I'm so happy. You get a uh, one up. He gets a one up. <laughs> What's not? Okay. Shame it. What'd I do? You're cute, that's all. Um, you know, my kids I, taught me a new one. I'm I'm sorry for walking on you, but you know, you know the whole Scott Pilgrim thing with the one up. There we I, go. If no way, if you represent, you get a one up from the Mario games, the little mushroom. Right. You you get life. Right. They ta- they taught me a new one today. I was I was hating on something. We were playing um, Sin and Punishment. And I said, God damn, this game's hard, and it is. It's very hard. And uh, my son goes, Dad, you're getting shorty. I said, we talking about? <laughs> and, and Nina said, you know how Mario gets in when he's regular size and he gets hit yeah. by something, he gets small, and uh-huh. they, they call that getting shorty. You're you're sh- you're shorty. You're or, or you're That's a shorty. Like, you're being shorty. I didn't know that getting shorty. We're not. We're talking about something yeah, a lot different. Shorty, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. yeah. shorty. What's yeah. she doing, shorty? Well, you know, little Vinny maybe maybe talking about the same thing. You never know about that. <laughs> he's a monster. Yeah, he's after his dad, he's a player. <laughs> Pick me up right. like a six pack. I'm sorry. Go ahead, David. David, David Price. <laughs> I I uh, sadly never made it to the uh, to the liquor store this weekend. So <laughs> luckily, I still had some Millbrook, the uh, Vince's favorite Hunt Country Red. Table <laughs> Love it. He got a brother named Mike. <sighs> <sighs> oh goodness, uh, Vince. What I this week? I'm achieving a one up of my own. Because nice. for two weeks in a row, I'm drinking alcohol-related uh-huh. uh, product, black and tan, simple, but it's okay. beer, and you don't have you, to. I, the, w- people were people were screaming for more of the Golden Monkey after last week. You they know, were, they I were. I was I was actually going to go get another one, but I didn't have the time. Yeah. Drunken Vince set it off yeah. last week. Wasn't or, I, I? Yeah, I was feeling fine. I wasn't tipsy drunk. Vince. Yeah. Tipsy. feeling fine. Um, I, I'm I may have a new favorite beer. And I, I've had this before on on tap, and it is it is truly uh, truly wonderful. It is from the uh, the fine folks at Left Handed Brewing. Um, uh, it's it's the Left Hand Brewing Left Hand Left Hand Brewing um, Company in uh, in Colorado, and this is their Left Hand Milk Stout. And you love um, milk fucking stouts. What's up with that? Man, it is so freaking good. Um, I, I, I'm a fan of, of of stouts anyway. You know, I, w- I love a Guinness. Come on, you're 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 Irish, Jason. You 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 <laughs> will you will drink the Guinness, right? I love me some Guinness. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. It it's it's very similar. 
in concept to to a Guinness, um, which I, I think Guinness is, is actually a, a nice, refreshing beer. A lot of people think of it as a as a, a really dark, heavy winter beer, but man, I mean, Guinness is. Um, but it can be a, actually a very nice, refreshing beer for me. Um, the different, the major difference here is that the the left hand milk stout uh, has uh, lactose sugar or or milk sugar is mixed into it, Ooh. and it makes it so creamy and delicious. And I will let them describe it. And it actually comes back to comics because it is it, it, it it's taking hold of a concept that I'm trying to um, kind of kind of take on you know myself and how I read comics and how I approach you know this 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 medium that we love so Marvel uh, <laughs> yes, hates Marvel uh, milk sugar in your stout is like cream in your coffee dark and delicious America's great milk stout will change your perception about what a stout can be and here's where it gets really good Preconceived notions are the blinders on the road to enlightenment. It's very true. Ah, Confucius say. And you you say you were trying to get away from that? No, I'm trying to embrace that. that. I'm trying to embrace that. No, you're trying to get away from preconceived notions. Yes. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. And it's you know it's and and that's in mainstream or indie books or whatever it's it's to try not to have a preconceived notion about what something is going to be like and and take everyone else's um, you know reviews or thoughts or views uh, and and kind of force that out of the picture right. and and you know. Just take the take the subject matter or the beer um, on its own and and how you react to it. You know, it's like if if you know something like Deadpool. If I take my preconceived notions about what that character is and read a really good Deadpool story, I can enjoy that. Um, but it's whenever I walk in thinking that something's going to be great or something is going to be horrible, and I don't judge it on the actual subject matter. So it's, right. a, it's a beer that has taught me to be a better comic book fan. Kind of like Scott Pilgrim. Oh. Sorry. Well, yeah, but I, but I tried that. <laughs> you, you were pretty. You were slamming it on the Twitter today, both of you. I wasn't slamming it on the Twitter. I was a, telling, a little bit. I was telling Jason that he better not slam it or the Scott Pilgrim shock troops will come <laughs> out and smash him. Yeah, I wasn't actually slamming it either. I was just trying to make the point that uh, to... to to the comic niche world we sometimes immerse ourselves in it you would think Scott Pilgrim 6 was a mega pop culture event uh, on par with just about anything else and uh, I was just trying to point out that uh, it's a big deal to comic fans but it ain't really that big a deal I yeah. think it is I, I, right, I am because you're a diehard comic us, yeah. yeah yeah and and well, you have to admit all the enthusiasm of, um, is kind of infectious isn't it it was kind of born out of a, a discussion um, on last week or this week's iFanboy Pick of the Week episode where they were talking uh, about it, and someone had had written them and asked them what they thought of Diary of Wimpy Kid and being nominated for six Harveys. And um, Josh and Connor and Ron, you know, Ron and Connor don't have kids, and Josh has got a newborn, so I understand they probably wouldn't be that familiar with Diary of Wimpy Kid, but I was surprised because they didn't really know anything about it. They didn't, you know, know what it was about you know, if it really should be counted as a comic book, and all they kind of knew was that it was sort of a big deal, but they didn't really quite know what. It just kind of surprised me, because, you know, again, it's like perspective, because I'm sure, well, at least, again, Connor and Ron are super, super into Scott Pilgrim, and, you know, have been, like many fans, eagerly waiting the sixth volume, and are, you know, big-time Brian Lee O'Malley fans, and I was just thinking, like, in the grand scheme of things, 
like the Diary of a Wimpy Kid is massive. I mean, it's a worldwide phenomenon, 30 million copies. Um, you know, and uh, it's just like it, it makes the success of Scott Pilgrim pale in comparison. But to them, Pilgrim's a much bigger deal. And I understand that just because it's the world that they're Pilgrim is much more to their to their you know aesthetic, whereas you know Diary of a Wimpy Kid is really right. for young young kids. But it's just kind of I was just th- it just made me think about like perspective and how what we perceive to be a big deal sometimes isn't and vice versa like you know we we besmirch the world cup but to most of the world it really is the biggest thing like ever but you know to us it doesn't seem like all that big a deal right it's just you know your your worldview kind of shapes how you think of things the wimpy kids very popular in our house me too yeah mine too Mm yeah i don't know i I don't know if i would count them as comic though to be fair why not yeah it's illustrated yeah. Well, they're. I mean, they're they're prose books with some stick figures in them. Yeah. I mean, they're not. But it's not too far removed from what Harvey Kurtzman did. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, well, look. Harvey. I mean, the Harvey Awards. People, enough people think they are comics that they got nominated for six Harveys. So, yeah. so they're more and, and, and good on the uh, good on the Scott Pilgrim. And I hope that the the movie does you know a billion dollars and Brian yes. Lee O'Malley can draw Scott Pilgrim for or not draw Scott Pilgrim for the rest of his life. I think it'll do better than the Wimpy Kid movie, which kind of tanked, didn't it? Yeah, I don't even know how it did. Yeah, I don't think it was a big hit though. No. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually. Uh, b- before we move on, I'm. <laughs> I'm much more interested in going to see Scott Pilgrim than reading Scott Pilgrim. Cool. That's just oh, okay, right. Hi, this is Matt or uh, Templar from the forums. Uh, when I when I do um, when I do get on there, um, just listen to or spent um, a couple of days or or do you know what? I'll start again. I've listened to episode 114 um, and uh, great times between the three of you and um and it was just good good to hear you riffing on each other and talking some comics and it was interspersed with um somebody phoning called whitehead and um and and right at the beginning of the day i listened to it and i got halfway through the first call and then i posted on the forum because you were talking about the price of comics man and you were talking about how it's difficult for the working classes to buy comics and um you broke it down into think about um what it must be like to you know be paid by the hour and think about how many books you would clock up in an hour and I thought that was really interesting and you know you got me writing and then you started spouting um, about the quality of the show this free show um, that the that these guys give you week in and week out um, and just started just I'm not going to go into it because it, it just makes me mad um, but dude seriously um I've, it's been pointed out that you don't frequent the forums um but um as far as i know you listen to the show um or try to anyway um that's not that's not cool man <laughs> um there's a really nice long run of some really coherent and um good voicemails you know from from people talking about books and 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 talking about what they like, what they didn't like, and creators calling, and and people excited about stuff, and then it just felt like it was just bile, and I should be the last person to criticise somebody about, you know, a voicemail. Um, God knows I've left some shit in the past, um, or even probably now. You know, there's people pausing and fast forwarding, but I just it just it gripes me when somebody says that. Um, how much something costs. And do you know what? You've got every right to moan about something if you pay for it. And even then, think about the person that you're talking about. But if you don't pay for it and someone puts blood, sweat, and sweat and tears into something and they give it to you for free and then you come on and 
and uh, I, it, anyway, do you know what? I said I wouldn't, and now I got into it. Um, and then you, it must have been that bad because you got Tom Capers to say on Twitter, um, "Those who call this show should have their own show, so that I could avoid listening to it." Um, <laughs> and you complimented Capers on the episode, so I don't know. I, I, I'm mad. Anyway, uh, time's running out. So um, yeah, I'm being it's being beeped, and I, I mean it's the signal I've gone on for far too long. I'm I, I'm, I'm venting at this point, so there you go. Anyway, um, Whitehead, keep listening. Please don't spill any more bile um, on the podcast. There you go, Tom. This one's for you, man. I'll send you some links. <laughs> I have a surprise for my David. Oh, yes, I do. It's uh. another. Fanzine flashback. Oh, yes. What, 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 what? It's flea market season, and you I I am uh, lucky enough to find good things roughly every other week, which is a nice, you know, it's not a bad batting average. Now, walk me through this. How do you do? You stumble upon them? Do you look in the paper to see or the internet to see where they are? How do you find them? No, we have one uh, local drive-in that has a big oh, flea have market. Tables and yeah, stuff. yeah. And uh 50 cents to get in. We walk I take the kids, we walk around for an hour and then we come home. And usually I bring something back with me. Very inexpensive. The you following uh, yes I am. The the following cost me 2 bucks. It was originally printed in 1982 by Kitchen Sink Comics. I see that logo, it's coming home with me if I don't already have it. Uh at 2.95, it's Fandom Confidential. Ooh. By Jim Engel and Chuck Fiala. Now, uh, huh. if if you uh, know of the comic reader fanzine, way back when uh, it was a monthly. I think initially it was it was more frequent than monthly, but it was eventually a monthly uh, meeting of comic book fans. And uh, it, it's the internet when we didn't have the internet. There was correspondence and reviews and opinion and, and uh, the, the whole nine yards. But Chuck Fiala and uh, Jim, Jim Engel did a page. In each issue, they were essentially what Stan called fumetti, but they were photo huh. comics. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and some of them, I mean, they took to task creators, characters, costumes, storylines. Nothing was beyond their reach, and they were very. I mean, there was a lot of barbs flung in these comics. Listen to this. This is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> they had um, Marv Wolfman and Len Wein guest host. Uh, a, a strip for the month and the setup was Len Wein and Wolfman came in to do the strip because the original uh, Chuck and Jim were doing charity work so they had the news all prepared for them they came and sat down picked up and just started reading from the get-go this was the one that was written for Marv Wolfman who was working at Marvel at the time mm-hmm. Stan Lee has found a new and rewarding hobby he tracks down Nazi war criminals and, after whirlwind courtships, marries them in the men's room of the nearby McDonald's. Oh, yes. God! <laughs> and then celebrates the union by eating live monkeys. If his new husband shows any disgust at eating monkeys, Stan shoots him at close range with a bazooka. Stan also enjoys mud wrestling with his dead spouse. And Len, Len, we- <laughs> Len Weens uh, goes, Jeanette Kahn's recently opened puppy torture farm is a big success 
Jeanette says that in the last month, she was able to mutilate and or torture 5,000 puppies and even had time to poke out the eyes of several hundred kittens. Jeanette hopes to expand the farm to include an area to be used for feeding lit dynamite to porpoises and selling the exploded bits as bite-sized rawhide chew bones for humans. See, the thing was, Chuck and Jim were trying to get the Len and Mar fired. That's the, right, the, right. the gist of, this, of the strip. And you can see the exp- well, obviously because they're photos, you can see the expressions on their faces. And Len Wein looks like a total, you know, he just walked off the stage of Welcome Back, Cotter. He's got a plaid jacket on with a t- <laughs> with a t-shirt underneath it. It is vintage f- photography here. There's a a fake interview with William Gaines who gets attacked by uh-huh. Graham Ingalls, the corpse of Graham Ingalls. Nice. And ghastly Graham Ingalls. Yes. This one's very cool. It's called Shake Your News Thing with Strobovision. With the death of Marvel Girl Phoenix in X-Men 137, the obvious question has to be, is she really dead? Is it for real? We posed this question to writer Chris Chris Claremont. His reply, while the deaths of major Marvel characters have been taken lightly in the past, this is one time you can be sure the death is final. Jean Grey will not, under any circumstance, return to the book. Both John Byrne and I feel that to bring back a character whose death has been portrayed in no uncertain terms would be the utmost in bad taste. Just to round out the team, however, she will be replaced by a superpowered Gwen Stacy clone. (laughs) This shit's gold. I love it. And uh, there's a new strip... These are all reprints. The first, like, 20-some pages are reprints from the comics reader. There's a new story in the back where the team visits John Byrne's house. And they show Byrne at his writing drawing table with a crown on. And, and he's perusing his own work. And he says, ah, a magnificent page. Out magnifying the magnificence of my previous magnificent page. And with my new page rate, plus the consecutive issue bonus, and the multiple panel bonus, plus the talking heads bonus, plus the worm's eye view three panel exposition bonus, and the cog in the machine bonus, combined with the spineless jellyfish worker for hire bonus, I'll make $347,000 for this page. Magnificent. And it's John Byrne. What page is this? Or, I mean, what, what, what year is this? 82. So at the time, he was doing Fantastic Four. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a day or two ago. But, uh, uh, yeah. And the, the whole punchline of the strip is uh, Jim and Chuck are in the room with Byrne for more than five minutes, so they turn into drooling fanboys. <laughs> I guess there's a there's a five minute window that you can be in Burns' presence before you turn into a drooling fanboy, and the back the back cover is really cool. It's a brand new at the time illustration of the Fantastic Four peering into the negative zone, and through the portal, it's Chuck and Jim walking through the negative zone with a map saying, "Are you sure this is the way to Burns' house?" And it's vintage, beautiful burn. It's great stuff. Two dollars. That is a good find, my friend. It is, cool. and uh, they interview the Yellow Kid. Who has um, <laughs> malaria? That's why he's yellow. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. They uh, Popeye makes an appearance. They talk about the trend in the comics buyers guide at the time to put slightly adult ads in there. Like they were at one time, they were advertising bondage comics, and the team didn't mm-hmm. think that was that was too hot. So they they do a parody of that where they start fighting and they rip each other's clothes off, and they're men and they have bras underneath. So it kind of jives with what they're bitching about. Uh, they parody Stan a lot. So if you if you sure. 
yes, have any kind of dislike for Stan. This will hit home. This will hit home. <laughs> Jeez. Who could you, dislike Stan? You and your, your I said any. Stanley I said conflict. if. If I didn't say I did. I said if. Did you, you guys get anything it. in the mail this week? Um. Yeah, I got some uh, awesome stuff. You didn't? Uh, yeah. No, I did. Kyle Latino sent me yeah. some. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. I got a yeah. big ass uh, envelope from Kyle Latino. With extra cool stuff in it. What does yours have, Chris? Did you open it? Mine has a freaking kick-ass Jonah Hex sketch. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, he did, he did me an awesome awesome Jonah Hex sketch. Um, and I'm going to have to get it now. Uh, a comic that he colored. Um, you probably got a lot of the same stuff. What was in yours? And I'll grab my, I got the, I'll grab my envelope. My sketch, my warm-up sketch, was Commandy. Nice. And and he said I did it so quick I forgot to put the boots on him. So it's a barefoot commandy in a, in a really really cool pose uh, with a gun. It's just that commandy has so much action in his life he didn't have time to put the boots on. So oh, that's, that's go, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Got um, them tigers. I got the first and only issue of all great fantasies with the Black Spider, Hugh Hazard, and the Big Boy, and that's with the. Uh, he gave me another drawing of the spider and that, that gigantic, awesome robot, the big boy. It's really cool. There's a 3D comic, uh, a 3D poster in here of 3D Man, which is neat, and it works. Yes, yes, that is so cool. I and got another yeah, comic, Cash Million Kids, which I did not take a look at yet, but it looks very... You could tell that Kyle Latino and Steve Bryant are friends because they are cut from the same cloth with their interests, the old pulpy style... Uh, action adventure comics. Yeah, it, 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 this is right in that that uh, wheelhouse. It's just really nice stuff. I keep an eye on Kyle Latino because the Latino, the Latino brothers, good guys. And I tell you what, had so much fun getting. Uh, well, quite honestly, getting pretty shit faced with them in in Fort Wayne for Oops. the uh, Summit City show. We had we had a good time drinking many many good beers. I dropped my 3D glasses, <laughs> and I also got a package from Will Pfeiffer. Really? Oh. Yeah. He knows of my I'm all jealous now. my everlasting love for Tom Sutton. And he found me a copy of Fiction Illustrated starring Shlomo Raven, public detective, smarter than Marlowe, shorter than Spade. It's it's all drawn by um, Tom Sutton. It's in color. It's a little digest uh, for a buck. I think it was published in 76. This is, I, I've... I've seen this online, but I've never stumbled across a copy or would already own it. And he was thinking of me and picked it up for me, and I love him. We oh, really need. Great. We were. We really need to get Mister Mister Pyford to, to sit in with us one of these. Days. Yes, we do. I, I, I miss Will. Cool. I, I want to yeah. chit chat with 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 Will. Hey, and I got I got another. Uh, I actually got a couple packages, and I want to send out some. Damn, feeling jealous. Uh, <laughs> um, um, Ian Ian Gowan um, sent me. Uh, one of the the creepy issues that I was missing. Oh, and, nice! Which was, oh, which the new one, awesome. nice. Yeah, of the of the new the new Dark Horse stuff, and um and our buddy Gordo Gordon Adams sent me um uh the other creepy issue that I was missing, <laughs> and Jesus. so I've got I've got all of the creepy issues now. So thank you guys, and this, and is seriously this is very very nice of of both of those guys, and um Gordo. Um, sent along a couple other uh, goodies, including uh, the Badger uh, from Image Comics, the Badger number eleven, uh, written by Mark Mike Barron and drawn by Mike Norton. Yeah. And, uh, ah. 
<laughs> it's early Mike Norton, and I cannot wait to uh, to show this to to Mike and have him sign this. And um, um, Gordo also sent me Creature from the Black uh, Lagoon, uh, drawn by uh, Mr. Hart Adams. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Which I a- have never read this before. Oh, yeah. oh, that's a great issue. And I cannot. There's wait. A, a there's a trade of that. Um, Right. Art Adams uh, creature features that you can get yep. on the cheap. Usually, anytime like T Fall or any of those guys are having a big sale, you can always get it for like on the Nick and Den for like 70, 80% off. It's definitely worth oh, it. Cool, yeah, cool. He also, um, knowing um, what uh, what a baseball fan I am, uh, he sent me some uh, some Pittsburgh Pirates memorabilia, um, uh, some stuff that uh, that I think it had had come from uh, either either he or a relative in Pittsburgh, and it's it's like this old nineteen seventies. Um, like press kit almost with the uh, you know pictures of Bill Mazeroski and Roberto Clemente and uh, Pie Trainer and this and this awesome just awesome nineteen um, seventies era uh, baseball stuff which is cool because I'm going to um, uh, Cooperstown this weekend so I'm I'm definitely getting into a into baseball mode so a uh, big thank you to Gordo and uh, and the uh, the cool baseball and comic book stuff. Sweet. So, yeah. Oh hey! Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of sports, before uh, David and, and Vince uh, uh, put a put a kibosh on it, uh, to those people on the forums asking, and to anyone listening that uh, doesn't go to the forums, shame on you. First of all, but if you're listening, uh, <laughs> we will indeed have a 11 uh, o'clock uh, fantasy football. Uh, just like with baseball, we'll probably have two leagues um, because there's so much interest. Um, I will be setting them up uh, probably. Uh, between now and the next time we record, and we will post the information in the uh, in the forum, um, and uh, it'll kind of be first come first serve, uh, except Chris and I get a spot, um, and uh, then we'll go from there. So, what do you think about Chris Johnson this year? Oh boy! <laughs> well, I mean, what's there to think if he's not? I mean, <laughs> if you don't have the first pick, you're not getting him. I don't know what else to, to say. I mean, I don't you, you don't ask to call him Ray. <laughs> yeah. So he has, he has a very high opinion of himself. Uh, as well, does David. As does David. Yeah, I don't know about all as that. Well, he should. <laughs> um, the the uh, not so little package from Kyle that yeah, I received is. Uh, yeah. No, it, Jason, yours must have got lost because he said on the he, did tweet he tweeted that, that you're getting one. Oh, for real? Oh, maybe it, yeah. maybe it's sitting somewhere. My wife hasn't told me about it yet. When did you guys get yours? Um, Tuesday. Oh, uh, this week? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, last week. What a, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, a uh, Paul Smith era, not cool. not Cyclops, but Scott Summers uh, with the you know, shirt and tie. Basically, like when when he when he told with the glasses. fire. Yeah, with the big big old old people, but red glasses. Uh, oh, the, welding uh, glasses. <laughs> they, uh, there was that. There was a pretty sweet looking uh, shot of uh, Mister Monster. Wow, Dude, you're getting all kinds of Mr. Monster love. These <laughs> I am, I'm loving it. I, we know what the next tat's going to be. Have, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, do you have the the Bowen bust? No, no, but I think I'm going to go to Bean's house and and say, hey, look, an elephant, and steal it from him. <laughs> uh, the um, hey, and, and start looking at Mr. Monster reference and the uh, the and and the 3D man uh, image from Timothy O'Brien. I received uh, O'Brien. Yep, I received a uh, a nice little book called the Tumblebees, which is a it's oh. it's a storybook. Wait, I think I yeah I got that too. 
Yeah, the author of this book uh, is his great aunt, who's uh, sadly no longer with us. But he he decided to illustrate the story, and it's yes. oh, that's very cool. It looks really really cool, and it's it's a story about tumblebees, and and I'll um I'll I'll read it and uh, and and talk about it at a later date. But I, I just like the little presentation, and it it looks like you know you could find it at, at Barnes and Noble in the kids section and, and yeah. read it to your kids at night it just it, it looks really really cool so yeah, thank you so, for that and I thank you too because I'm a yeah. douche and forgot about it so thank Ooch. you Timothy and I thanks am. guys and, and, and that stuff never expected and and, yeah. and any of that but but greatly appreciated so um, it's it's always it's always cool to, to, to get little little nuggets like that in the in the post so th- so thank mm-hmm. you all um, I read something is that I was waiting for See, I was mm-hmm. I was gonna uh, be nice because since we you were kind of why start now I know it's <laughs> turning over new leaf it's almost Jewish New Year the the I was going to um <laughs> since, since we were all kind of talking well all meaning mm-hmm. the three of us not Chris we were all talking about Second Coming last week I felt bad oh, right. that 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 Chris kind of sat that out and I knew that. Chris was getting something that he's been looking forward to reading for some time. So time. I dug out my issues and yeah. and I read I reread uh the first ten or so. Um actually I've read I, I read I was gonna say I read like the first year, but since it took quite a few years for the first dozen issues to come out, yeah. uh I can't really say that. I, I I never read the entire series. I stopped once I knew they were ending it, so I wanted mm-hmm. to Oh, I know what you're talking about. Right, and the publishing schedule was always erratic, but I'm going to let Chris take it away, so I don't know how far he wants to get into it. I think he's read the whole series. Well, that's kind of up to you guys. I don't want to spoil things if you right. haven't finished it. Um, oh, we're, we're talking about Planetary, which yes. fi- finally came out in the, the Absolute editions. Uh, for folks that aren't familiar with Planetary, it started in 1999? Which one? Seventy <laughs> one. It feels like it. It really does. Okay, started 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 ninety nine and finished up like last year. Um, so it was it was ten years in the making for all twenty seven issues for twenty seven <laughs> issues, and kind of going back to nineteen ninety nine. That's about the time that I was coming back into comics, and one of the questions I remember asking the folks at the at the amazing fantasy shop in in uh, uh, Maywood or Maplewood, uh, Missouri, was what what writers should I should I be watching out for? And uh, a couple of the responses were um, this this new guy Bendis. And the <laughs> and the other guy was Warren Ellis, and uh, you know at the at the time, nineteen ninety nine and in two thousand, you know I don't know was there a bigger writer than than Warren Ellis out there as far as like you know just buzz and if if this guy was writing something, you know people were buying it. I mean, is is my recollection off? Do you guys, Austin, yeah, two no, thousand uh, gaming, two, right? I was going to say Gaiman, yeah. but I, okay. I don't, I mean, he's so associated to, to Sandman and the Endless that even if he was reading, writing novels at the same time, that's neat. And I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss that, but it's, it's as far as Ellis, he was pretty much just working in comics. And I know once Gaiman wrapped up Sandman and he did some work for Marvel, you had 1602, eventually you had the Eternals and things like that. But I don't know if I'd say Gaiman was, 
and and people can call me out on it. I I don't know if I'd say Gaiman was a big a name in comics as Ellis at the time, only based on his body of work. Well, yeah. Alan Moore was kicking out the occasional thing too. Alan Moore got plenty of love in Planetary, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You know, it's you know, so we're looking. You know, what what's kind of cool is that um, it seems like like Ellis was was kind of building this like Ellis verse at Wildstorm. You had you know what was going on with the Authority. And then you throw planetary in there, and uh, you've got um, a, a lot of references to, to Jenny Sparks from from Authority. That's uh, this whole concept of the the Millennium Babies. That uh, these very kind of select group of people that were born on January first, uh, nineteen hundred, and and how they were kind of you know almost like guardians of of the century. And and I, I think Warren Ellis as a writer really kind of fixated and captured this whole build up to the millennium and and kind of used that as, as as this inspiration to write these really epic stories about what happens at the end of a century, not not just a century, but but a millennium and and planetary was you know i don't know if it's this you know magnum opus but it's it's 27 issues of some really big ideas and 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 good comic booking and it's all drawn by by john cassidy and i i think i think it's a series that by the time it was done it sounds weird but it was already almost dated by the time it was done did, did you feel that at all david I want to say yes, but that's also because I'm reading the single issue, so I'm seeing mm-hmm. ads for movies like The Negotiator and Three uh-huh. Kings and, and old nice. video games with really <laughs> shitty graphics. Uh, it, it, like the Sega Dreamcast. That's great. Yeah. They spent all their money on these ads and not game development. They, they, uh, I want to say yeah, because it, uh, I I, lo- I absolutely loved it, but you know, by the t- by the time that issue twenty six, which was kind of the twenty six, is really the last issue of the series. Twenty seven is more of a almost more of an epilogue. But by the time that twenty six is there, it's it's two thousand nine, and it's reading very much like a like a two thousand comic. But it stayed incredibly true to itself the entire the entire way through even though it took 10 years for the 27 issues to come out i mean it's pretty it's pretty consistent in tone yeah. and scope um yeah there's it, no way i mean i that's probably I, because he had most of it written it was just cassidy was taking the time drawing it both, I you know, I I, yeah, I think even up into like 2008, you know, Cassidy was like, oh, just got the the script for you know issue 26. So I think he was, I think he was writing it. The I, I'm sure that the core of the story was there, but I think right. he was he was you know working yeah, on scripts. Yeah, with the, with, with the advancements the- in science and things like that and technology, I'm sure Ellis might have tweaked things here and there. Mm-hmm. The uh, because early on everything is you know 1997 or 1995, 1999. So yeah, it it is. There was a point in time, and, and I first got into Planetary from the owner of my old comic shop. She, she sold me a couple of the, uh, I think the first two trades. I was hooked. I had to, um, from that point on, I was buying the single issue. So I think this might have been maybe around issue nine or ten. And so I bought like the first, I think, dozen. Not, not, the, I bought like the first ten off mm-hmm. eBay. And, uh, so I just kept getting the singles. And I would read, and then it would be, and I'm, I'm going through the covers now. And it's things are on a pretty good schedule 
like for the first three, and then it gets bi-monthly for a little bit, <laughs> and then like between issue eleven, I think eleven comes out in, like <laughs> September of, of, uh, of like two thousand, and then the next issue is cover dated January oh one, and I just I couldn't read it as the issues were coming out, so I just I let it sit yeah. off to the side, and I'd go back and I'd read a couple as the next one came out, but then like probably around nineteen or twenty, I was just like I'm. I'm just going to wait. I, we yep. know that there's an end in sight, so I'm going to wait. So I don't know if, if uh, once we get past maybe the halfway mark, if we're still talking about the late 90s or if these characters have, have aged somewhat in, in real time with us. Well, n- not really, but uh, okay. you know, what people, you know, without you know, many spoilers, um, the, the basic concept of, of planetary is that pl- planetary is an organization that more or less they they document things they document they're archaeologists they're yes they're they're they are you know i, I love the uh, the term imaginots for for fantastic four yeah. they are they are sci-fi archaeologists and they they document the the amazing things about our world that that aren't really known you know aren't aren't really in the public consciousness and um there's you know field officers but it's a huge organization it, it gets it gets really complicated you, you really just need to, to read it but it, it it focuses on on three characters and and their adventures and the antagonists that they have to fight against are basically um alternate reality versions of the fantastic four they're called really really the warped yeah really warped and sadistic versions of the fantastic four they're called the Four, and uh, uh, the powers are similar to the Fantastic Four, but uh, you, you put the the Warren Ellis uh, <laughs> yeah. twist to them. The 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 definite uh, you know. Uh, like how, how can she see? And if she's invisible, how can she see? Why won't the light go right through her? And 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 there's little mm-hmm. that there there's science. Like you could look at at the Human Torch and be like, okay, well, well how's that work? How can how can he put his whole body on fire? And, you know, so Jack says, well, I made him out of fire and he can fly, you know, and that's all you needed back in the 60s. But mm-hmm. but now these days you just, you need something a little bit more than that. You know, how is it possible that you can, you can do that? Like, like when I look at, at someone who draws Wolverine and it's like, well, why the claws come in between the fingers and not from the top where it's supposed to, yeah. you know? So I just, <laughs> like, like, like Dakin's claws, I don't get the third one. It, it, so there are just things where I look at and I'm like, I can believe that because it's comic books, but now you're really screwing around with with fake science, and I don't know if I can buy it at this point. The, you know what, uh, what? What's cool is that you know he he wraps in the whole bleed concept, you know, with the authority and and alternate realities and universes, and so he takes you know all these great pulp characters and 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 different you know there are there are versions of the JLA and Fantastic Four, and it even goes back savage. to a lot. Doc Snell. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, Savage, Axel, Phantom. Axel you know what was awesome is um, uh, uh, Weather, the the guy who plays you know the, yes. the, John, the Johnny Storm cipher, is a descendant of in this alternate reality. He is a descendant of the Lone Ranger, who in and if you and if John Suntress were here, he would tell us the the whole history of that family that the. Was the grandson or grandnephew of the Lone Ranger is the Green Hornet, right? Yes, 
and that that actually plays into this that there is you know a descendant of the lone ranger character that is on the super team with uh, a, a cipher for doc savage and the yellow claw and all these great golden age heroes so i mean if, if you're if you're into the history of comics and comics characters there are all these these different ciphers for these different characters mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's it's very cool Planetary is a lot of fun. Especially, it's a mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially with the, I, I kind of the fourth man. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. That um, probably around maybe issue when when we were introduced to Ambrose Chase, and then mm-hmm. he tells him to get a white suit. I'm like, oh shit, I know who it is. And and it's like, <laughs> and so I mean, things aren't always subtle, but you, everything is like a a. Oh, that's cool. And and when Cassidy reveals who the fourth man is, and mm-hmm. and and just that that full page shot of of the character, it's it's perfect. It yeah. really is. The characters are fantastic. When um when things are revealed, I I, I love the way Cassidy can can draw somebody's face, and and that kind of just sells it. There are every issue is kind of is is um I guess a homage. Just, well, not every, but but they're almost just all throughout. I mean, you have, like like Chris said, with the Fantastic Four and the Justice League of America, and and you know the, the Phantom, giant, the Shadow, giant uh, Japanese monsters. Uh, you have oh god, uh, yeah, have, yeah. Um, there's uh, there, there's your Captain Marvel. There's your Trinity. Uh, for the DC fans, there was it's um, all there. It's, it's all there. Issue seven was awesome with the whole Vertigo line. <laughs> with the and the, the constant funeral, story, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the constant slash Spider Jerusalem story. It was. It's. Oh. It, it's yeah, weird. yeah. It uh, that okay. So it, what Constantine became Spider Jerusalem. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and what's and, and yeah. who's the creator of uh, Spider Jerusalem? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's yeah. It, do, it's, do you do you think this is Cassidy's best work? Uh I'm looking. I mean, starting off with with the first issue. Um, it's his most complex work, I think. It, I I I'm pretty sure that there might be sometimes from the Astonishing X Men run that I might yeah. have been like, really? But for the most part, it was, <laughs> it was very pretty. Um, I haven't come across anything in Planetary yet in the first fourteen issues where I've kind of scrunched up my nose at it. Really, it, it, I, I I think Cassidy was. Was the perfect artist for this series, and I think it's his strongest oh, yeah. work. Um, it, it's it, one of those. What, what was I talking about? Oh, when I was talking about Normal Man last week, and, and how there are certain books as as if you're a fan of comic books of the medium, and there are just certain works. Like, and I, I'm talking about kind of standalone works. I'm not talking about okay, here's a run of Amazing Spider-Man, or, or here right. here's here's your year one would fit. But I mean, I'm not talking about a book that's ongoing. But like, if you just want a chunk of of story. That that's finite. That tells you everything you need to know. I would, and grant that I haven't finished it yet, but Chris has. I would put Planetary on that list. Yeah, yeah. and you know, got to give credit to Ellis because he he did a great job on Planetary. But he's wearing his Alan Moore hat in this series. Oh, this sure. is this is what Alan Moore does very well. He makes connections between characters and updates them and, and transforms them into analogous characters but you you're in on the nudge nudge wink wink of who these characters are and what they do but i think the one of the things i like about warren ellis and i can say this now with the benefit of being able to look back 
on Ellis's uh, output to date. I love the way he takes concepts that he's already introduced in other series and updates mm -hmm. them and reworks them into new ideas like um yep. the the organization in planetary this global network of of agents that's it's a, it's a german of, right a germ of an idea for global frequency but the millennium babies all yeah. those very important people born on the same day that's freak angels it's very similar yeah, that you yeah, had sure, you had all sure. these i mean it's not he's not copping his own ideas he's taking I, I, what he I did love before that, tar that tarzan is a millennium baby yeah. Which was awesome. <laughs> Lord, Lord Greystoke. But, and I did read Freak Angels, and I, I thought it was fantastic. It was, it was Blackstone. It's Blackstone in Planetary. Yeah. But I, Warren Ellis is, is one of those writers that I could, I'd never tire of his work. Even well, at his yeah, most, well, his well, bitchiest, acerbic, uh, the low points where, where he gets a little bit too caught up on the I'm Warren Ellis bullshit. He's some, still. Some, sometimes, sometimes the, the America hate in in the past has come through a little too strong where I'm like you know what Warren you can talk about your issues with with the Yanks and in America but you know don't forget you're you're not speaking it, it comes off as he's sometimes speaking for us and it's like you know what you're still a Brit so maybe you should sh you know just shut the fuck up and, <laughs> and, and and write some comic books sometimes sometimes that comes through a little too strong for me planetary right. actually touched on it a little bit and then he you know was able to to reel it back in what i liked about planetary is that at the end of it it remained a really hopeful story it, it kept the the hopeful aspect and this kind of what we talk about with doctor who is that it at the end of the day it talks about the strength of the human spirit and becomes very hopeful and that i like especially whenever ellis is able to to stay on that because sometimes he can get a little preachy and and whenever it's you know it's um oh it, it's kind of like whenever you beat up on your little brother, it's okay for you to beat up on your little brother, but if right. anybody else it takes a swing at your little brother, you're going to fuck him up. So it's like, you know what? Don't talk about my fucking country. But you can't separate the mind from the words. If for, in order for Warren Ellis to have written this stuff, he has to inject that Warren Ellis personality into it to a certain Extent. To a certain extent, to a certain right, extent. and and I wouldn't I, like it or not, agree or disagree. I wouldn't want it any other way, it, because after a while, it becomes just hack work. It's it's just a, a story written to fill pages. I want that personality of that author. I I like to hear Alan Moore inject little snippets about the the way the universe works and magic into the most uh like even like in tom strong that stuff doesn't really belong in a pulp adventure story but he manages to work it in and that's what we love about alan moore i like when ellis gets all pissy and acerbic about, about <laughs> it, it, it works it works in some of it some sometimes sometimes it gets a little much but i, I think that planetary if you're going to say what is the one warren ellis work that that i should read i would say it's either the the first 12 issues of authority or or planetary and i honestly i think what about transmit that's what i was just gonna say i would think transmit. you know i've i haven't read all of transmit i've read i've read probably about half of it and oh. i i i really like transmit but for me and i know i know it's i know it's ellis and i know it's it's um I know it's a lot of you're all, oh, you're all static. Up, buddy. I know I know it's Ellis, 
but it's hard for me to separate Transmet from Hunter S. Thompson. And I just <laughs> I just feel like it is so based in in that writer as opposed to, to Ellis that I, I I look at I look at uh, authority and and planetary as being more distilled Warren Ellis uh, of that time of that time. I have the first I want to say maybe four maybe five trays of transmit. So I haven't finished it. And it's it's awesome. It is. And and Derek Robertson's art. I mean, you know that that alone seals the deal for me most days. But I I think as as a comic book fan and and the characters that I grew up reading and and the comics I love. I would have to give the nod to Planetary. Uh huh. Look at that. Yeah, and and I, and I think you read Planetary right with his his run on Authority. I mean, they fit together. There's so many uh, similar concepts. You know, the bleed and hell. Jenny Sparks is mentioned in in Planetary a lot. It gets into the Millennium Baby. It's yeah. All it's all about coming to the end of the Millennium and what a big a big switchover of the clock that was and and they work so so well together so yeah I, I i love them both so i thought i'd call in and tell you this story what happened to me a couple of days ago i'm walking through the middle of poheli and for those of you who don't know where poheli is poheli um it's just outside clandidno um in wales i'm walking through and i go past poheli station i'm standing outside the station but stand the man lee well that's blast trying to sell some magazines so i walk up to stan and i say oh Stan, what's occurring? And Stan turns to me and says, well, random Welshman, I'm going to sell these magazines. And I look at the magazines closely, and to be, well, truth be told, I'm looking at the front of the, the cover, and it says the big issue across the front. And the big issue, of course, is a, is a magazine that the government gives to homeless people to try to sell to earn a living. And I said, Stan, come on, that's, that's low even for you. You know, even with all the money you'd, you'd stole off of Jack and the boys back in the day. And he says, oh, there's no need for that. I'm just trying to earn a bit of extra cash. I need to get myself all set up and uh, get myself to the New York Comic Convention and get in on. I need a little bit of extra cash. And I just said, no, I, I don't think that's really why you're here. You must have alternative motives, you know, ulterior motives. I bet in the back of that bag you've probably got art brushes you're trying to sell because they're constructed solely from your beard hair. And he says, no. So I says, what are you doing? He says, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be square with you. And he opens up one of the copies of The Big Issue. And inside, tucked inside the, 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 the dead center of The Big Issue is a, a copy of a book. And I says, oh, what's this? And he says, well, it's called The Book of Christ, Issue 1, by Stan the Man Lee. And I said, I have heard of this. And you're, you're taking responsibility for the creation of the character of Jesus Christ. And he said, that's right. It's my idea. I wrote it. In fact, I drew it. I said, come on, both of you and I know you can't draw for shit. And he says, I know, but uh, it's all my work. Would you like to buy a copy? I says, no, what else have you got? So he reaches back into his bag and he pulls out this. He says, well, I got this. I, I'm quite happy to sell this to you for 25 pence. And this is all my own work. I'm pitching it about. And I look at it and I says, what's this? He says, it's all my own work. It's a book I wrote. It's called The Contingent. And I says, oh, Stan, that's low even for you. You, you were talking about Hunter S. Thompson. Thompson uh-huh. and Ellis are a lot alike. Thompson, oh, yeah. Thompson was not a fan of the United States during his heyday. No. In fact, he was the journalist. No, 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 no. He's, he's a total American and a total patriot. He fucking hated Nixon. That's what I was just going to say. He was not a fan of the administration, which was yeah. the United States at the time. Your country. No, no, no. You can't say that an administration is the country. You, oh, it, really? Uh, uh, no, no, you can't. 
No, you can't. Hunter S. Thompson was... But was, the country doesn't exist. The only thing that exists is the way the administration runs it. Tell that to you, Captain America. That's an, that's an ideal. It, it's, an un, it's an unattainable ideal based on a piece of paper that nobody follows anymore. Uh, so, so you're, you're, Hunter S. Thompson would say that you're full of shit. No, Thompson was, was a patriot, but I'm saying he did not like the way things were run, and he was the, say, journalistic... Why? Bat- because he was a patriot. Ex- yes, but when you have a bunch of people <laughs> in, no, when you have a bunch of people in positions of power like say George Bush the opinions of Reggae Bush everybody else to the United States at the time of George Bush's tenure was not on the chunk of land that is called the United States it was the way that administration was running it and same thing with Nixon you know you can't say this country is doing bad things this country doesn't exist it's the people in the country that make the country and the, the rulers that are doing the that are enacting these ridiculous laws and proclamations and all this bullshit that's the problem that's the those are the roaches in the motel but anyway well, the, 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 that's a different podcast right it is you're right say, well, i have to agree, disagree with that but, and not get into it because <laughs> i probably couldn't disagree with you more but that's fine but no i'm a firm believer <laughs> was a patriot i i, did not, I didn't say he wasn't uh-huh. the uh, nixon was his joker he was the journalistic Batman. Yeah. Uh, you know, he. Well, I love uh, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh just my God! It's one of the best books it, ever. Ninety-eight percent of that book is just a setup for him to go on like a four-page rant about why he hates Nixon. Yep. <laughs> All right, yeah, Jason. I want to hear from you because you're being really quiet, buddy. Yeah, I'm guessing uh, he didn't uh, read. Yeah, I didn't have read it. As as people know from listening, I have not ever read a single issue of Planetary. And although I did receive both beautiful absolutes in the mail uh, this past week, I have not had a chance to crack either open. So cannot I figured out just wait, listen and learn. Let me ask one question to read sure. be- before we go on: Is uh, Batman Planetary in there? No. Wow. I'm not it surprised. is not. It is I not. I don't think it's authority. Is authority planetary in there? No, it's the okay. uh, that was what it's it, it was right. Well, well, is there a pre? Is the preview in there from Gen thirteen? I don't know, but yes. I, yeah, I thought yes, okay. yes, yes. So, but, <laughs> but the preview, the preview is at the very end of the first absolute, and we haven't really talked about the absolutes. I mean, and we didn't spoil much about the story, but the absolutes are absolutely gorgeous. I have they none. Did such a nice job. I have two. I have zero. You what? what? I, well, I, I, I don't. I, I don't own a, an absolute. Uh, a single. A single. Uh, you don't have any absolutes. No, because everything they've released in absolute format, I already have them. So yeah, it's it not is. like I don't like to buy them again. Well, do you have any uh, Marvel Omnibuy? Uh, one. Okay. I have the new X Men. I have that one, and I have. You know, uh, I hate you both for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> wait, you have, wait. What? What X Men? The Grand Wars. Yeah, the Grand which is long out of print. It's like four or five bills if you want to buy it. Damn. All that yeah. beautiful Igor Cordeva art is worth it. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I just, I just, I went to Tifon and got all of the, all of the trades, you know, Nick and Dent. I think I got yeah, the entire yeah, yeah. run for, I don't well, know. I have all the issues, but I, that's, now that I have, I'm a collector of the hardcovers, I, I wasn't really buying them back then, especially double I dipping, but I, I would definitely love to have that, that particular I'm to buy. I'm you know, if if you're if you're gonna buy any of the absolutes, my favorite absolutes, and we'll 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 deviate here for a second. Let's if you're gonna buy an absolute, you need to get the the crisis absolute. Love it. That one I don't because, have because of the, it the, has the book of annotations the, and stuff with it. Yep, yep, the compendium in there. Uh, same thing with um, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with the, mm. the script books are oh, great. Are those out of print? Do, Both the, of them. The first league is out of print. The first is. Oh, yeah. Ben, you should track it down if you can. Um, the uh, Absolute New Frontier. 
Frontier is yeah, it, my probably my favorite my favorite collected edition. Probably my yeah, favorite comic, cool. period. Um, and wow. then... Um, yeah, I don't blame him. The, um, um, it's not technically an absolute, but it kind of is. The uh, uh, JLA versus Avengers, because of all the, the extra... Uh, yeah, that's yes. another out of print. I would love to get my hands on the, that yeah, original. Uh, I have the four stuff. issues of that, but that is... Yeah. The only other... Well, aside from the, New Frontier, the other absolute I have is Watchmen. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yep, absolutely. I have, I have absolute Watchmen. I, uh, I have absolute V for Vendetta, which is quite good. Yeah, have, you have uh, Superman for tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I do have Absolute Dark Knight, though. <laughs> That's a far That's cry a, from for tomorrow. I've got, I've got the Absolute Hush. <laughs> absolute Hush, David. That's a, I, I, like that I keep looking at it, and I'm like, I'd get it for Renee. Really? It's still cheap. It's still cheap. Well, I only the, have the um the one-volume trade paperback. What, the story, what? though. I like yeah. the story. The Hush, Hush? Like really? The yeah, who was the reveal? Not great I like comics. Hush. It's fun. I like Hush. Yeah. Hush was cool. uh, I, 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 not I, my I'll favorite. Read, I'll reread Hush a lot more than I'll ever read fucking All Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. Oh, uh, for truth. That is true, I guess. And the watercolor Jim Lee art's very nice. Very yeah. nice. If I w- w- was going to buy an absolute, I would buy the Fantastic, F- or not an absolute, sorry, the uh, Omnibus. I would get the Fantastic Four one only because it contains 20 issues I don't have. Yeah. And, but, you know, I, I, I'm not in the habit of buying stuff I already, I already own. It's, I don't know. Yeah, I have most of the Marvel Omnibuy. I, I, there Good are too you. many I don't I just, have. I, I just have the one that you don't, and I have, um. <laughs> oh, you have no, 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 I'm not, I know, no, I'm just, I don't want to say the name again because I don't want you to feel bad. So what, I New X Men? Yeah, um, and I have uh, Phantom X is in that the, the all over the place. Know. Yeah, one day I'll finally finish it. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I only had it since, since it, it first came out, and, and I still have yet to finish it. And, and Phoenix and, Egg shit is the bomb. I love the way he ended that. Yeah, it's <laughs> that was really good. I, I think I'm up to uh, to Zorn's reveal, but other than that, uh, I, I don't know what's going on past that. And and the Amazing Spider-Man, um, yeah, I have. Yeah, that's okay. it. I should get that one too because there's a couple in there I need. Howard the Duck one is dope. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, obviously, the Tomb of Draculas are great. Um, are they doing? Are they doing a third one? Of yeah, that? they are actually. It's already been Good solicited. Lord. I didn't that's buy a, that one. That's though. a that's a lot of that's a lot of Dracula. You know what oh, I yeah, should I do? I should take my Sandman run and sell it and buy the absolute. Buy the absolute. There's what? Four yeah, you know, the, the, absolute, the absolutes. Well, I should, they're they're the only really popular mm. absolutes I don't own. Just because again, I don't even know if I'm gonna. Li- I haven't read Sandman, so I don't know if I'm gonna like it. So I don't wanna. It's awesome up until the wake. Which is it, 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 the, the last storyline goes right off the cliff. Oh, yeah. See, that's funny to hear you say that only because I've always got the impression that you weren't a Neil Gaiman fan much at all. Uh, no, I like Gaiman a lot, and and I I have to give credit where it's due. He, mm-hmm. I was very enthusiastic about Sandman. For he also most. got to work with some fantastic artists. Oh yeah, Sam Keith, yeah. and yeah, but I was I was upbeat. Jeff Lopez Vertigo. It was it, Sandman's very good, <laughs> very complex. The what? storytelling. Is- wow. <laughs> Wow! But Jason, Ouch. the last—I'm not going to let that one pass. Ouch! The last storyline is. Ouch! Not Did you just hear good. what David said? I love Neil Gaiman. I don't know. I was, was too busy talking. He was. He was. <laughs> That's why I'm he, trying to get the background. Neil Gaiman, the Jeff Loeb because of, of who he works with, because of who he works with. So did, oh, did you mean he, he pulls in great, uh, art, great artistic talents, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm not talking about storytelling. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Storytelling apostrophe. <laughs> That's right. Go. No cheats in my words. Yeah, now Jason wants to go, and I, and I want. Did anybody I, else read uh, the first issue of X Force: Sex and Violence? I read no. half of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I had start. it out, but I didn't finish it. <laughs> really? It's sexy and it's violent. 
So, so this is just well, to tie this well, over until the new this out, you don't right. have a very high bar to get through something. So, what made you stop halfway through? I had to go look at a house, <laughs> and I never, uh, I, ne- uh, I never picked it, it back up. Yeah, no, it's it very good. Business. What I read was extremely good. Yeah, well, again, this is a book I don't pretend to be for everyone. Uh, um, it is a, um, it, it reads to me sort of almost like a, um, an in between story. You know, it's not. You certainly don't need to read it if you're been following the X-World and want to continue on with the, between what happens with the end of X-Force and then the beginning of the Uncanny X-Force, which we mentioned last week. But this takes place somewhere in between that timeline. It's, uh, it's basically revolves around Domino, my girl, uh, and Wolverine. Um, basically, Domino's gotten herself in a bit of a pickle. She's put herself in between the Assassin's Guild uh, and the Hand. Yep. Uh, I won't say how she got herself intertwined because <laughs> that's part of the plot, but she's stuck in between them and they both want to kill her. And um, although she doesn't want his help, Wolverine ever the the gentleman offers to help her. And, <laughs> the gentleman. And, and violence ensues <laughs> in badass fashion. Such a gentleman. I, I yeah. love the first couple and pages. Sex if the, uh, uh, Dom- well, that, that must be an issue t- too, because yeah. there isn't really any uh, okay. Domino yeah. uh, is is cut up very badly in the first couple pages in the book. She's bleeding all over the place. Yeah, she's got bullet holes all through her body. Yeah. yeah, and Elixir is right about, just about to to work his little magic on her, and, and Wolverine's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I want to ask her a few questions, and she's bleeding, and he's awesome. like, well, I have to heal her. She, she's going to die. Wolverine's like, no, I, I got to find out this information. And there's at least two or three pages where Domino and Wolverine are doing the old back and forth, and she's kind of reluctant to tell him because she knows he's going to bitch at her when when she tells him what what, what the position she's in. And Wolverine lets her That's bleed lets her bleed out until he gets the information yep. that he wants. It's a, he's such a romantic. Oh, totally. <laughs> and I will say that the the most notable thing about this is uh, the artworks by uh, uh, Gabriel Delato. Del yeah. yeah. Um, and it's written by Kyle and Yost. But uh, as I was reading this, you know, my, my one, I, I very much enjoyed X-Force, uh, the series. I, I like the story. I very much love the characters that were in that book. But I, I definitely, my enjoyment of that series was certainly impeded by the artwork for me. And I know it's personal preference, but for me, it was just too dark. Sometimes some of the issues were so, so colored so darkly. It was just Im- almost impossible to see what was going on. Um, this was, was certainly, a, I mean, this was in the same color uh, palette as as the main book. I mean, it's you know they're wearing black and gray costumes, and it's basically a white, black, and red book. But it was it was colored. The backgrounds are lighter. Um, you know, there are blues, there are greens, and and it just as I was reading this book, I was thinking, man, if only the main series looked like this, I I, I think it would have been a tour de force. So, so I, who I, didn't you like in the main series? Both. Well, there really? was Crane. There was oh Choi. Crane okay. and Choi, yeah, Crane and Choi. I mean, oh, I see, really I knew you didn't like uh, Crane, but I wasn't aware that you weren't all that hot on Choi. And, and I don't that. mind Crane or Choi. I don't mind the lines. I mind minded how the finished product looked, which was as much a product of the coloring and the you know the right. choices. Right. I mean, the yeah. uh, Obak and Choi. That book was basically black on gray on 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 black. I mean, it was it was very 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 dark. Yeah. But if if you know uh, Crane and the way he works, and uh, just look at the series that he's worked on before, like the, that Ghost Rider miniseries that he did, mm-hmm. he he works dark to light, and he works digitally. So right. I think a lot of the the darkness of uh. of of his work is based on his working methods. If he changes them, maybe maybe the the uh, work won't be so 
shadowy because I, I agree it is very dark -Force, right? right but but I like it I, I love his work just because yeah. for a guy to work digitally like that he that, that he does things with with a, mm -hmm. a, a mouse that's just incredible but I can well, see where it wouldn't be uh, and he takes a lot of shortcuts too what did you think of the lotto because I've seen stuff from him that was more photorealistic than this I think he's 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 either refined the way he uses photo reference. Did you or read Secret War, Jason? I, yeah. I like yeah, I yeah. like the looseness. Is, is this of this. still the same kind of style, or because no, I, it, oh, well, okay, it's it, looser. Yeah, it's good. It is looser, exactly. Yeah. It is. It, it looks much more illustrated than that. Um, cool. and, and again, I don't know if he's he may still be using the same techniques, but he's just gotten a little smarter at you know putting more of his own lines on top of the images. Yeah. I, you know, that's hard to say, but but it definitely felt a lot looser, a lot more. Uh, and it was it, I much all the better for it. I mean, um, uh, and, and the background he uses a lot of um, he uses a lot of ink wash, you know, different color ink washes in the backgrounds, like just watercolor and stuff. It's it's pretty neat. It's uh, it's it's. I thought it looked great. I was I was skeptical. I mean, this is a book that I would have bought no matter what, just because it's about Domino and I I love her. Yeah. She was but sexy I, too. <laughs> totally. But I, I was. I mean, I was fully prepared when I read this to for it to be a throwaway issue that you know only. Diehard X Force fans or Domino fans would is, care about. Do you think it's meant to bridge anything between no. the two X Force series? So I mean, it's just it's just there for you to just listen. You're not going to get X Force for a couple months, so enjoy this. Probably. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's okay. it, it. It don't give you a time. And like I said, it, it basically is a, a situation where Domino has gotten herself in a pickle on a, a deal she did on her own for her own gain, and but it's coming back to haunt her now that she's happens to be with X Force and. You know, it's somewhere probably before Necrotia because it's you know they're they're on the team together and and Elixir's there with them and stuff. But but they don't ever reference the time frame, and I suspect I don't cool. see why they would all of a sudden work it in. So it's it's effectively a standalone story. You okay, know? I do like the way Delato renders the Wolverine costume too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it's, it's, it's pretty sleek. Mm -hmm. Like it a lot. Yeah. So all right, hey, I got something. I got it in the mail. Another thing I got in the mail. Well, something, something. But, but before I, I get into that, I got something today at the comic shop. Haven't read it, but I just want to make people aware of it. IDW. It's the first issue of I think it's a it's a four issue miniseries. Maybe it doesn't really say, but it's mm -hmm. it's continued. So I'm guessing it's a it's a miniseries. It the Terror from Beyond Space. It's a it's uh, the first issue of the Midnight Movie series. Mannion from uh what's his name uh, Steve Mannion from uh, Fearless Dawn does the cover. It's fantastic. It, it's very easy, like, but it's it's a reworking, reimagining, I guess, of the classic It, the Terror from Beyond Space, that film that inspired uh, Ridley Scott's Alien. Have any of you seen this movie? Nineteen fifty. No, the original It, the Terror from Beyond I saw Space. Alien. Uh, Nineteen fifty-eight, <laughs> I think. It's a great movie. It's a fantastic movie, and it was one of the uh, the films that helped uh, bring to light the uh, Alien movie. But it's it's great, and this is. Uh, a reworking, I guess, of... I don't remember any of these characters from the movie. Uh, it's Face great. It, no, no, not Alien. It. <laughs> Man, you are so young. You don't remember these great MGM movies? Ripley was great. I love her. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> yeah, it all begins in 1979. Let go of her, you That's bitch. It. Yeah, It, the Terror from Beyond Space. This is really cool. I think they're doing other movies, too, in this MGM Midnight Movies series. So keep an eye out for them. It's... It, it, it's. I was very pleasantly surprised. I didn't expect a movie tie-in from a movie that's over 40, 40 years old, 43, whatever years old, to be any good. But this looks fantastic. I didn't get a chance to read it yet, but it's really neat. But the one I did get a chance to read, and like I said on the, on the Twitter, I was aphrodisiac level excited when I read this thing. 
Uh-oh. Yeah, it is amazing. It's free. It's a 44-page tabloid uh, newspaper-style comic book. It's 11 and a half by 14. It's done by Bre- Brendan C. Leach, and it's called Pterodactyl Hunters in the Gilded okay. City. This is amazing. It's, it's incredible. Who's it? it printed by? Brendan Leach printed it himself. If if what you send like, if if you send him two bucks for postage, he will send you this issue. That's it, cool. It's where did on. You, where did you find this? I will tell you where I found this. His website is iknowashortcut.com, <laughs> and and if you want to see uh, images of this magazine that I'm talking about, he has a blog called blog.iknowashortcut.com. Brendan Leach, this thing, I, I finished it, and it, it has an ambiguous ending. It's intentionally ambiguous. I was like, oh, my God, this guy is giving this away, and this is one of the best things I've read all year. He dedicates the issue to David Mazzucchelli, Marshall Marshall Arisman, one of the gods of illustration, Gary Panter, Tom Hart, and uh, it's an alternate reality-type thing. It's set in New York City in 1904. The focus is the Sullivan clan, an Irish family who have as many... As many Irish families do, they've embraced an applic- an a- uh, they've embraced an o- occupation for generations, but they're not as you may expect firemen or police officers. They're armed airborne combatants, keeping the skies of New York City free of deadly pterodactyls, <laughs> flying dinosaurs. In they're fighting them in hot air balloons. Think about that. Awesome. It, <laughs> And and it's not and it's not just it's generation upon generation of these families fighting ridding the skies of New York from this these flying dinosaurs that are preying on humans, um, but they're not the only things casting long shadows uh, over the city. Uh, Eamon Sullivan of the Tarot Patrol has gained uh, celebrity status due to his incredible proficiency at eradicating this scourge of the New York City skies. Uh, Aloft in a hot air balloon, accompanied only by a wingman, a single wingman, he uses this harpoon-like bomb lance to bring down these flying behemoths. And his exploits are plastered on the cover of all the local newspapers, and and the population bandies about his adventures like he's a he's he's a god to them. He's a little celebrity, but the adoration of this guy doesn't sit well with his younger brother. This he's a an unmotivated kind of slob named Declan who also works for the Tarot Patrol but he has these little menial, menial tasks that he performs he he mans the watchtower looking out for flying dinosaurs and, and he, he maintains the weapons, he cleans and makes sure they're working well but but there's a wrinkle in, in the tale the, the once thriving pterodactyl population has dwindled to a mere pair of, of beasties which prompts Eamon to redouble his efforts until they're None remain. He wants to totally eradicate the the pterodactyls from the skies. Unfortunately, seconds away from killing one of the remaining monsters, the bomb lance that he uses to to skewer these things jams, and the blowback blasts the side of his face, and it sears his eye, and it blinds him. So now his younger brother, uh, Declan, finally has a chance to shine his way out of his older brother's shadow. But knowing what Declan was in charge of doing, was the opportunity fate or was it something more? It's very cool. It, and the ending, 
is left wide open, which is why I'm I'm really interested that that you to hear your opinion on how this thing ends because it gets it builds to a crescendo, it gets to a, a crucial point, and it just ends. You don't know what happens, which is is very ballsy for a 44-page comic. I mean, we we get uh, a little bit of the city. We see what happens. Like Declan's father is this old dude, and he remembers when the skies were teeming with these beasts, and and certain things would happen. They have cleanup crews that go out and just mop up the blood off the streets from these dead dinosaurs. And and uh, there's a couple of subplots with this woman named Bridget who recently became a nun and she grew up with Declan and I it's implied I guess through body language that maybe they had a history there and he's kind of a little bit upset that she's now a nun because he doesn't call her sister Bridget even mm. when he's you know even when he's directed by he's this, having none of that he's none uh, of that a hard uh, habit to break so he he always calls her Bridget doesn't call her by her appellation or her new appellation so but the style of the art will blow you away it's it's i see flashes of Eddie Campbell and Ted McKeever a, a little bit of Gary Panter here and there. there there's one section it's it's an amazing panel they're they're chasing down this pterodactyl and it land it, it picks up this adolescent and if i don't know I can only assume what would happen if uh, a bo human body got picked up by a pterodactyl, knowing what kind of claws they have. Uh, he's bleeding all over the place, and they kind of force the pterodactyl to a rooftop. And in typical Gary Panther style, um, the artist almost... Is that almost as if he copy he captures two moments in time? I'm trying to find the damn panel and I can't. Uh, two moments in time in the panel simultaneously. You get a fully rendered pterodactyl with gray wash and beautiful line, and superimposed over it is just the outline of the head twisting back to sneer at the balloon. It's a really nice panels, and Gary Panner does that too. He does multiple instances in time overlaid on on one figure. But the art is just incredible. You, you need go to iknowashortcut.com and check out this art. It's, I just did, and I emailed him and told him I wanted a copy. So. Isn't it nice? It uh, looks it's, awesome. Yeah. It's, bla it's black yeah. and white, and there's gray wash uh, behind the line art. But the the cities mm. the cityscapes are delicious. They're so almost like a stream of consciousness line where he does adhere to the correct perspective, but he's not bound by it where you'll get like window ledges that aren't quite in perspective but close enough and it's not unintentional it's you can tell that it was very much drawn that way he's, for he's a, a reason. new york guy so i'm already excited to, to hopefully meet him in october there's end papers on this thing of a, a pterodactyl and you can't tell if it's a wounded pterodactyl if it's dead if it's sleeping if it's just dormant and then uh the last page there's a faux newspaper on the front and back covers is this faux old-timey sun newspaper. It says, Pterodactyl Hunters, Sullivan Slays Tarot Just Before Sunrise. And it shows a, a picture of Eamon, the older Sullivan brother. And there's faux news stories. But you cannot tell the outcome of this comic. And it's it's totally, and this is very uh, pun, very much intended, up in the air. You don't know how this thing plays out. And I sent... Um, Brendan uh, an email saying, "All right, just between me and you, tell me how it ends, <laughs> because I I I know I think I know how it ends. There there's a another subplot in here that because the pterodactyl population is dwindling to single digits, 
all these guys are going to be out of a job. What are they going to do? Their, their outlook is, is bleak. There's, they know how to bring down flying dinosaurs, but what can they do when that problem is eradicated? And that plays a big part in the ending, I think. So it's fantastic. You need to read this. Reminds me of a, um, a little bit, uh, not, not that the story does, but that, that concept. Really looking forward to a Four Eyes coming out in Trade Paperback. Mm-hmm. You know, just the you know, just the the change in the world, and you know, things that are that are magical and and strange that are coming to an end. That uh, yeah, I've, I've always loved that that idea. So, forty four page, giant size comic for two dollars. All you do is pay the postage, and it'll send it to you. It's, it's, that, that, how could you turn that deal down? It's mm-hmm. but I'm reading it and I'm thinking, where did these pterodactyls come from? Why are they still alive? What earth is this? What happens between Bridget and and Declan? Because Bridget doesn't look too happy to be a nun. She she, she I get the opinion that she may have made the wrong choice. And you know, and the ending too. It's, there's so many questions, but they don't really matter. You look at the art and it's gorgeous, stunning, just beautiful a line work thick and thins and and blobby black shadows it's i wish i could draw like this never trust an irishman named declan no hmm. mr Neat. shelby might not agree with that but <laughs> I, I highly highly uh what's the word endorse approve mm-hmm. you need you need you to read this. this message i i this message has been endorsed yes you could nice. sign it fantastic oh cool Cool. I yes. can't. I'm. I'm looking forward to to getting a copy. I'm. I'm excited. Won't break the bank. That's you know, Vince. That's why I listen to this show. Is for shit like this. I'm telling you. I have now finished listening to episode 117 of 11 o'clock comics. I of course started to listen in 1945, and I am now very old and have a beard. I have grey leg hair. I enjoyed it greatly. It was not an ordeal to listen to and not a minute was wasted sitting, listening intensely to the epic that unfolded before me. Time has passed by my window and I sat and listened to the words of wisdom from Jason Wood, Vince B, David A. Price and Christopher Neesman. The last of which, of course, fell asleep during the last few moments of this legendary piece of audio history. I, however, did not fall asleep, Mr. Neesman. I stayed awake to listen. Now, my strength has left me, and I must rest. You know what else I read? I know this is not going to go over big with a lot of you. Mice Templar. Uh, I... I had- <laughs> Yeah, see, that's what I knew it was coming. <laughs> Michael Avon Oming, say what you will, that dude can do no wrong with me. Unbelievable. Well, I mean, did it get better after the second issue? Because those first two issues, oh. they were pretty, that story was a goddamn mess. Oh, really? It no, was, it the, was a, I wouldn't even call it a hot mess. It was a lukewarm mess. Michael Avon Oming bringing Chris and Wood together. Oming needs to stick to the drawings because he yes. can do the drawings. The drawing, he didn't. He, he do didn't. He didn't write my well. He, the idea for Mice Brian Templar Glass, right? is yeah, yes, is Brian Glassman. What did you find so? Dis- it was uh, dis- incomprehensible. Okay. Why? <laughs> How? It, um, there's a pack of rats that are pillaging cities, and um, 
this young rat who is ta- attached to one of the um, Templars of old, who was the blacksmith, is separated from his family and has to find them. What's so hard to understand about that? Hey, it was like I it was disjointed. Two, it, was, it was like two, three years ago, and all I remember was setting down that first issue and going, "I understood almost nothing of what just yeah. happened." Well, and fair, it, it, although yeah. this is it's unfair, uh, unfortunate, I guess, but inevitable that it was coming out basically at the same time that Mouse Guard was coming out, which mm-hmm. is about eighty thousand times the superior series on every level. Oh so just, no I way! Oh no! Mouse medieval books. I, I there was one that was near perfection and one that was very much average. So I I, I went with the prefer, near perfect you, one. You guys are nuts! You are you know, nuts! And, 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 hey, you know you know what? Sometimes the easier more enjoyable story is the way to go. It's mm. and, and and hey, I just I just spent forty minutes talking about planetary, which is I mean that that book can challenge you a little bit, uh, especially with all the the referential stuff. But you know what? Sometimes I just want to sit down and read something that is just entertaining. And, and I, I am sh- I'm shocked and at my, this. Ice Templar. It's like stop trying to be stop trying to be fucking clever. You know, stop trying to be fucking Quentin Tarantino in a comic book with mice. It's yeah. I don't understand that. I really don't. Well, how, I, that, that's exactly where, what I said after I after I set it down. Well, where I don't understand the, where, how you don't love Mouse Guard because I mean it's it's it, it's, oh, it's part of what you respect. Consider it one of the preeminent works of its time. So I don't know. I um, admire the the book, but it just. Falls flat. I, I, mm. I don't I don't get the enjoyment out of uh, Mouse Guard that I do out of Mice Templar. I don't. I mean, and it's it's it shocks me that that you don't find a, a connection to to Mice Templar because it's all Kent, uh, Celtic mythology. I mean, isn't that well, your? I consider myself an American, not a fuck. I mean, I'm Irish by descent. I don't, <laughs> you're not going to find a shamrock or a or a, a shillelagh in my house, Vince. I don't know. But you're the you're the one that's always pumping the fist whenever the 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 homeland. Yeah, but I don't have homeland. a Celtic tattoo. I don't have a. I mean, I I'm not. I don't root for Ireland in the World Cup. I mean, I'm I'm an American. Well, it's, it's it's funny that you say that because I'm actually wearing Lederhosen right now. Hilarious. I, I mean, I'm a know. mutt. I'm part Scot. My last name is Scottish, not Irish. First of all, I'm part Scottish, part Irish, part German, and part English. I mean, I'm not. It's you know. Wow. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It, it may, maybe maybe I need to to read the the first collection. All I know is that I tried the first two issues, and it's you know, Omin's art. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, but but the story it was it was a tough read. It was like Boy. stop trying to be clever. Just just tell me a good story. I'm missing the clever part. I'm not trying to push your buttons. I just don't understand why you you feel there's some kind of feigned uh, cleverness to the book. It's it's well, it, okay, maybe clever's the the wrong word. Um, it, it I didn't feel like it was told in a very straightforward way. Okay. Um, it, it it felt like it was it was dropping parts of the story out. To try and make it feel a little bit more highbrow than it was. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. You I know, don't. It's just like, right. I don't agree know, with it, but I understand. You know, I understand so, it, I so, sometimes, sometimes you just you know, uh, clear storytelling is not a bad thing, and I didn't I didn't feel like what I had read was necessarily clear, and especially in a first issue, it's in a, in a, get in and, and and set your story up. And 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 get get the foundation set for what people 
should come to expect, especially in something that is in you know a a, a, a periodical in, in something that is going to be in a, in a very chapter driven. Um, separated work like like comics are. I mean, if it's if it's going to be a straight graphic novel, yeah, you can you can wander a little bit, and you can you can you can play around with your with your storytelling devices. But whenever it's an issue driven series, you gotta you gotta tell your fucking story and and get people get people vested. And whenever I set it down, it was just like, yeah, okay. You know, there, there's too many good comics on the stands for me to to try and you know. Yeah, for me, it was one of those things like because I do do most of my buying through pre-ordering. I read the first issue and thought, Jesus, I have another two of these coming. I already paid for. <laughs> <laughs> that's sad. So. That's sad that you guys aren't into it. Whatever. I mean, it, that's cool. We don't always agree on everything, but no. if, if you guys like uh, a new hope, I. Don't see how far removed the story of Luke Skywalker is with with Carrick the mouse. It's the same thing. That's fine. You know, well, that's hardly. Maybe, I mean, maybe neither of those. That's a hardly groundbreaking storytelling mechanism, right? I mean, I don't know. That. Well, no, it is the champion. Yeah, well, Luke, I mean, Lucas, it's Lucas you. Are didn't you, you that shit. right? And Michael Moorcock did the same. I mean, the Eternal Warrior. It's this. It's yeah. the same heroic journey that these. This right, these archetypes, right, right. you know, it, and that's what he is. Carrick is just—he's trained by this pilot, the Tall, and he's chosen by chosen by the gods, basically, to be the <laughs> defender of the of the the Templars and and the people. And I don't know—I just I think Oving Oming is way underrated as yeah. an artist. I think he's fantastic. Oh well, is he underrated? Oh, I think great. his props. No, an yeah, I think he gets his props. It's God knows I've seen when he tries to write things like uh, uh, Omega Flight or. See, don't say God complex because I think that's great too. Oh, that was another one. I pre-ordered three. I ended up reading one and a half and stopped reading. I really it. liked um, uh, art-wise. I I thought uh, uh, his stuff on Cross Bronx was mm. was awesome. I thought he was flexing some different muscles. I thought his storytelling in Cross Bronx was was fantastic. Wow. Okay. There you didn't like Cross Bronx? No, I liked it. I was writing when I when you were oh. saying that. Yes, I did like Cross Bronx. Yeah, but I, I don't. Here's my perspective. I started Mouse Guard and Mice Templar. There's one book I no longer buy. So there you, go. you know the 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 Mouse Guard, the the Tales of the Guard. Really enjoying seeing other people's takes on that universe. Um, you know, because say what you will about Mouse Guard. That that is all. I mean, that is that is textbook world building. And yeah. we, we we see that some in comics, but in I mean it's really dominated by the two universes, Marvel and DC. Which okay, you 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 learn that and you you get past it. Um, you know, David Peterson in in a really short amount of time has built a pretty pretty expansive world with Mouse Guard and being able to see people like Guy Davis. And Gene Ha and Terry Moore come in and and do their little stories in this universe. That's that's pretty fucking impressive and very entertaining. Cool. I don't get says, it. Coolly, hey, if it's good enough for Terry Moore, it's good enough for me, Vince. <laughs> that's not a ringing endorsement with me. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. Well, <laughs> see, whoa, you absolutely strangers paradise love. No. No. Yeah, Vince doesn't like that either. No. Wait, bad. you don't like Strangers in Paradise? No, we've talked about this before. No, I've said it. I've said it many times. I, I, I 
appreciate he it, but his he cartooning ability. I, I like the way he draws. It's it's he he has a beautiful style. I just don't like the stories he tells. I don't really care. Have you read Echo? No. Do you not you, listen when we talk? Jeez, <laughs> it's like uh, a. No, when else am I going to nap? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't want to keep keep beating the this this dead horse, but I you cited world building as one of Peterson's strengths. The first issue of Mike's Templar is all world building. Okay. He sets he sets up all the the the, the uh, rivalries and and the different uh, gods that are at work on this planet and the 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 whole dichotomy between the, these creatures that are awakened at night and the ones that live during the day and the guardians. It's not it, there's I can't see the difference. That's cool. I don't know. Really, to call Pascal, one, to call one world building, and to call the other one vague you know, and convoluted. You know, I, I don't know. It, it, the thing, the thing about Mouse Guard that I think I like is that is that there's um, there's an innocence to it that that brings me back to a lot of uh, the right. childhood stories that I loved. You know, like Secret of Nim, and and yes, it still has yes. you know a little dash of of the Lord of the Rings stuff. Right. So my yeah, Templar is is not innocent at all. It's very brutal. Exactly. And, and, it, and it's that, it's that kind of, um, it's the innocence of, of Mouse Guard, that, that kind of purity of storytelling that I, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a, I mean, I think the reason it's had so much success is actually out of the, it's done quite well in the, in the comic market, but it's, it's really done, he's, he's had the crossover success of a, you know, right. uh, of a Jeff Smith. I mean, he's, you know, he's yeah. sold boatloads to libraries and the role playing games, you know, sold boatloads and he's, he's really crossed over into a much broader audience, which, um, yeah. more power to him. That, that's a, yeah. quite an achievement. I got a question for you, dudes. What's, what's that? What do you think of, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Robert Kirkman starting his own imprint? Did he? I didn't hear yeah, this. Where did you read this? Oh, Sky, really? Oh, it was World, on the news Sky. earlier this week. Yeah, Skybound. Skywald, Skybound. Skybound. Skywald. Hey now. There you go. I was <laughs> Skybound. He's uh, he's he's it's it's his own imprint. Um, okay. Under Image. He, That's guy. Uh, yeah, it's part of Image. Well, it's his imprint, but you know, just like the other Image guys, it's well, his the, own. All, all the found, yeah, all the all the founders um, have their own imprint, right? Okay, so yeah, so it's it's, it's, it's like you know Joe's comics or Top Cow. Right. Sort of, but his books will become his books will now say Skybound on oh. them, not Image. Um, and but the main thing is is the way it's working is he is basically going to be a um, it's, it's going to be his line. He's going to be taking other people's books and paying them advances. You know, because for people that don't know, the way Image works as a model is um, they get a flat fee for a book. To print it for you and and distribute it, they they don't mm-hmm. really help you market it. They just put the image banner on it, and that theoretically helps you you know get better placement in previews. And you, get, and, and, get, you, and you get paid on the back end, right? You get paid on the back end. So a lot of guys that put out image books don't make any money. And then guys like Kirkman make boatloads of money because they pay a very low flat fee to Image and get to keep all those those extra dollars. Um, but it's very different than other publishing models that you know typically do what Marvel and DC do, but to a smaller scale, which is you know. They Pay guys a upfront money, you know, some kind of page rate or agreed upon fee to produce the book, and then you know there's some kind of royalty sharing after that. Um, this Skybound will be more like, it w- which will, as I understand is how Top Cow does. It'll be more like a Top Cow where um, Kirkman's going to you know, pay the writers and artists upfront. They'll get page rates, hmm. so they'll get some money upfront. Um, but Kirkman will market the stuff, he'll promote it, and he gets a piece of the take. He's, he gets part ownership and gets uh-huh. to negotiate um, you know, international rights, film, TV, toys, all that stuff. Um, 
So he's yeah, he's his own of, studio, but, huh? Yeah, yeah. And the first title yeah, launches tomorrow you. at, um, well, I guess today, if you're listening to this, uh, first day of San Diego Comic Con, I guess the first title launches, which is Witch Doctor, um, which uh, I, I don't know much about it. I guess they'll talk about it this week. But uh, yeah, so I just, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, Kirkman kind of striking out and doing his, uh, I guess, his version of the Sylvester model, you know? Hey, good, good for a hell of a lot of sense. And I tell you what, walking from what I've heard, Walking Dead is ruling San Diego this year. That is yeah, that is yeah. the buzz. And boy, everything I've seen from the AMC series, it's uh, you, you talk about the the niche of people getting really uh, really excited about Scott Pilgrim. I could not be more thrilled about everything I've seen from yeah, Walking for Dead. sure, for sure. It's going to oh, be a big God, hit, I think. Good. Yeah. Oh, it looks AMC like has quietly turned themselves into one hell of a original programming producer. Juggernaut. And Breaking Bad, not Walking Dead. I mean, they're really, you know, they're doing quality over quantity, which is, you know, the way I think you have to go these days when, you know, so many networks put out their own stuff. So it's pretty yeah. cool. A lot of, lot of shit. Yeah, a lot of yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, know, you, you, you hear stuff like Darabont, the the director. He's like, I, I want to do this for 100 years. It, it's like he he's so excited about this series. He, he's, you know, he honestly says that he wants to do this for like the rest of his career is well, what'll is, be fascinating is the millions of people that watch it that have never read a walking dead comic because oh. they really won't know what they're in for right i mean because um you know we know that in walking dead nobody's safe everybody dies but yeah. that will you know i could see that would really work for a tv audience because again they'll get attached to these characters and then boom gone well yeah, and that, that's one of the things that kirkman said he said uh he was writing characters in this initial I don't know how many episodes, say eight or whatever, that he hasn't written in years because they're no oh, right, longer sure. alive. Right. Yeah. Well, what I'm excited about is, um, you know, apparently from uh, from what Kirkman has said is that is that you know Darabont has has really worked on the writing end of it, and where they would go in and read the comics, and then he'd say, "Hey, there's a story that happens in between these issues, or 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 happens in between these pages," and so it sounds like they're 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 gonna run with a lot of what we've read as Walking Dead fans in the comics, but there's gonna be a lot of stories that they're gonna expand on or insert in there. So um, I have a feeling like Shane, who um, spoilers wasn't around for a really long time in Walking Dead. I, I think we're gonna see some some expansion on the Shane character, and they're gonna mm-hmm. tell some other stories. So I'm I'm excited to see um, to see those those characters that maybe weren't around for a long time get developed mm-hmm. a little bit more. I don't know yeah. why, but the image I can't wait to see, and it's bizarre, but it's just when I think of this TV show, the first image I, I think I can't wait to see is Michonne walking with two zombies on leeches and, and her sword. I don't know. I'm like, that's yeah. going to be badass to see her. It is going to be why. awesome. Yep. Is, is, she, is she actually announced as a character? Oh, I don't know. I assume so. I mean, she's a huge main character. How would she? Yeah, but I mean, she she's not that that character hasn't been shown in any of the uh, the original. Oh, uh, really? Oh, tra- hmm. no. It's like the the I mean, that may she may be. I mean, she season in the two. in the comic series, she's kind of a season two character, anyway. Yeah, uh, I guess. I think. Yeah, you might be right. I guess it's been so yeah. long since. I mean, you're right. It's seventy five issues now. Which, by the way, in and of itself, is awesome, the dude. I mean, yeah. seventy five goddamn issues of an indie comic is pretty freaking impressive. And it ain't slowing yeah. down either. Mm-hmm. No. And it's been good. I mean, Jason, do you read it? Do you read it monthly? No, I read it in trade. Okay. Anybody else read it monthly? Trade. No. 
Well, yeah, <laughs> David do. I, I can't. I can't help but read it monthly. And I tell you what, it's been it's been good. I've really liked it. And no spoilers, so keep your iPods on. Blah blah blah. <laughs> but it's been the last the last two three months. Um, the, it was a big story change. Um, and it's um they're they're getting into some territory that they haven't gotten into before, which is is saying a lot. Um, What's uh? Can you guys think offhand of any particular long running series that you loved for ages, and then you know, at just some point you realized ah, it just it jumped the shark or whatever you want to call it. You know, where you were just like, all right, this has kind of lost its luster. I mean, is there anyone that just strikes you as sort of evocative of that? Um. Wow. I gotta say, yeah, because. I mean, there are obviously comics I've I've stopped getting, um, mm. but I don't know if. I, yeah, it's hard, right? With it, 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 well, it's I, I'm like I don't want to equate jump the shark with with maybe lost interest. When I hear jump right. the shark, it's just yeah. Like, sometimes I, sometimes I just get bored with something, and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily this. It, it's kind of like breaking up with a girlfriend, and you're yeah. like, it's not you, it's me. No, you're right because it's like shows like like. NYPD Blue or ER, like I didn't, yeah. I stopped watching those shows. Not because they stopped being good. I just one day just you, you, know, you don't care after watch that right. year, and I'm like, yeah. ah, you know, I've, I've just feel I've like seen I've seen enough, this. right? Like, yeah, you know, I've kind of been yeah. there. You know, yeah, Mar- I can name two. Right Mar- Marvel, Marvel yeah. Cosmic for me. I mm-hmm. love from like Annihilation up through like the beginning of War of Kings. I was like, oh, Marvel Cosmic, so good again. And now I'm just like, yeah, okay, it's yeah, it's me. Kind of petered out on me. I and, can name and I two. Feel, yeah. Do what? I can name two. Go ahead. Two two characters that have lost their luster with me. You know who I'm going to say. Uh, one is Superman. Yeah, Superman and Batman. I just oh. don't care anymore. And it, it's not obviously it's not because the stories are lacking. Because right. with with Grant Morrison, <laughs> that's not the whole with, with, Spider-Man are stupid. With oh, Grant yeah. Morrison at, at the helm of uh, <laughs> Batman, how could the stories be? bad like all that bad yeah. but i just i really don't care i mean they can See, do whatever they want how, with uh, it's fair it's fair yeah i think for me that's how the ultimate universe was yeah like when it first launched i was like just like everybody else oh this is cool no con- you know new continuity you know no 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 new history no you know start fresh and then i guess just i could just remember like one month i was just they all were in my stack and i thought I don't. I don't like this anymore. I just don't give a shit about them. Like I like. I'm like. It's just. It's like reading a. It's like reading an, an other world's tale, an else world's tale. And I'm just like, you know. At some point, I re- I think it was like maybe like Ultimate Spider-Man seventy-five somewhere in there, like eighty. And I was just like, this is pretty much just like as, although certainly there's not thirty, forty years of history. It's got its own continuity and recurring characters and plot threads and history and backstory. And I was just like, ah. Eh, I don't need to read another version of Spidey. And again, that's not a condemnation. I know for some people, Ultimate Spider-Man to this day is still their favorite Spider-Man, and I don't say that they're wrong for feeling that way. It's just, but for me, I just like one day just sit off, done with all the Ultimate Universe. Just well, I done. I think that's a a problem uh, that's inherent to the Ultimate line, and that's the reason why they started everything over. Technically, uh, again, was the thing that is so fresh and new about Ultimate Spider-Man became the thing that it rebelled against. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have a, a, a series that lasts longer than a hundred issues, then you get into the same problems you have with the, 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 the quote 
you know the 616 spider-man that they have to try and keep it fresh and you get you fall into those little same uh potholes so i think they should just make them finite say okay here's here's we're gonna put a definite time limit on this series maybe 12 issues maybe 24 whatever just do it and then move on do something else Mm -hmm. because then it just starts to get all stinky after a while i I don't know if comes with the territory of losing interest i i kind of get turned off if mostly a writer comes on and doesn't have doesn't have a feel for the character i, I can understand you know needing time to 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 find your footing but if, if right. you're going to write characters that just all of a sudden do not act the way they have for the past mm-hmm. 10 15 years that's a huge turnoff you know it's a good point because a, a recent example which i railed against the preconceived notion of it, but then ultimately ended up succumbing to it, which was when um, Johns left J Justice Society. JSA. Yeah. And Willingham and Sturgis, who I think most of us, if not all of us, are, are open fans of both of their works, when they announced them, I thought, ah, that's cool, you know, I mean, I'll give them a chance. I mean, I obviously, I love the Fables universe, and I really like House of Mystery. And yet, so many people prejudge that. Like once, you know, I heard so many people say, "Oh, I'm done. I'm out." JSA, a great run. I'm out with it. And I thought, wow, you know, you shouldn't. You should at least give them a chance. And then I gave them a chance, and they lost me. Like, and again, I don't know if it was necessarily they came back. They came back. It was a bad. Oh, I tell you, it it was was not. It it was not. It was different. And I just felt like, yeah, I'm just saying. But like, it definitely was different to like what David was saying. And I just, it was hard after seven, what seven years of Johns telling those characters. Yeah. Seeing those characters in a very different light, and I was just like, "That's not the way they act," you know, which is silly, right? Because they're yeah. just characters on they're 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 just characters on paper, and they're going to be written by each of them probably written by a hundred different writers over their course of their history. But it's just you know, you're reading all of a sudden these same characters acting differently. You know, one guy's more temperamental. You know, Power Girl's more of a you know a bitch. Uh, you know, Magog's like sinister. You know, it's like each of these, and I'm like, that's not how they've been for the last X years. I don't. And you you find yourself at least for me it, it just it drew me out of it and again that's not that is not a criticism of of the of the storytelling power of Sturgis or Willingham who both are excellent storytellers and, and I enjoy quite a bit of their other work but that is one where I really was like oh you guys are being too hard on these guys give them a chance and then I gave them a chance and they still they the people that <laughs> judge it actually ended up being kind of right it yeah, really sometimes did. the shoe doesn't fit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I was thinking about something somewhat al- along these lines and it it's in light of the announcement that Greek Street was canceled. So oh, well, in, yeah. in 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 is in as many months we've lost Unknown Soldier, Air and Greek Street from the mm-hmm. the Vertigo stable. From the Vertigo, right. What, and, what is and so two from DC Kids, but Right. Well, this is just geared toward right, Vertigo. Right, right. I think they should adopt the the seasonal format miniseries do a 12 issue you know do, yeah but but every time you say that something like why the last man comes around but see, and, you and can't i don't think they can DMZ gamble like that now or, i mean do i yeah, but he said dmz or scalps but why not yeah. gauge the the impact of this series like if i like air i think air is really good it's a really tight story i enjoy it immensely but if i was behind the desk and that uh, pitch got pushed in front of me. I'd be like, mm, I don't know if this is gonna sustain a, an ongoing series. Well, like for- yeah, but it, but it was coming. I mean, G Willow Willis, G Willow, was it Wilson? Wilson. 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 Yeah. It had a little bit of a track record, and it, you know, so I, I think that that gave her a little bit of rope. But you know, I think Vertigo is constantly looking for the next 
um, kind of you know mega finite series. They're looking for the next. Yeah, great I mean, look at Unwritten and Sweet Tooth. I mean, th- those are four series right there that I, I think are going. You know, at least for Vertigo terms, going strong and and are long form stories. I mean, so yeah. but they just they just lost. Say I don't know how. What's the total Vertigo number of books per per month? Like even if they do twelve ongoing series, yeah, 12, 15, they man. they they just lost like twenty five percent. So of their of their of this. But what I'm saying is, what is so wrong about doing? But what do you think is going to happen this weekend, Vince? They're announcements, I know, but right, but that's and how many of those new ones are going to catch on? Why does a series Two, need to be validated? One. Why does a series have to be ongoing to be considered a valid series? What's well, so wrong with a 12 issue miniseries? The creators have long form ideas they're pitching to Karen. Yeah. I mean, they're not okay, a- then do a season two. That that's what other writers have done. That they wow. they do a, a a chunk of a story, and then if it sells, if it catches on, then okay, we got the, the wherewithal to do you a know, series. I, I think here's the I problem with the Mignola model, the, though. Like there's all, one Mignola, and there's one like there's if people say, oh, let's do the Mignola model. Okay, well, there's one Mignola. I mean, so yep. there's also one Kirkman who does long. <laughs> but let's do the Walking Dead model. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like my thing is, is like it's got to be good, and it's got to have that little unpredictable zeitgeist that captures enough people's attention that it that it breaks from the pack like and a story's a story i mean i, I you know i i i know what you're saying and i, I get it how do you see that though how What's do you that? see that how do you how you do you you I, exactly that's 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 what i'm saying how do you how did the, the people that i mean when you pitch a, a a these days unfortunately when you pitch a mini series the immediate thought is well might not want to buy it, or if I do, I'll wait to hear how it is, and then I'll buy the trade. So that's a tough model when you're... That's retarded. From what, I, that, that, from what I've heard for Vertigo, it's not about the first trade sales, is that they really look at the viability of those series on how well the second trade yeah. sells. And again, say what you will, Vince, about it, but the reason but you're, DC you're, kicked Marvel's ass in the bookstores and the reason that Vertigo is such a cash cow is that those trades of those series out of the pack, the Fables, the Wise, you know, they sell every month, month in, month out. Every volume sells in the bookstores and people keep going back and buying. Hundreds ever, of thousands so there's, ever. So there's a, there's a segment of the marketplace that prejudges a series based on whether or not it's an ongoing. Is that that's that's insane? It's re, it's ridiculous. A but story not, is a freaking story. Logic to it though, even like with Marvel and DC, you get let's say with Batman or with the X Men, you have twelve X titles coming out a month. You have ten to twelve Batman titles. So if you're on a budget but you love the character, you're gonna it's 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 somewhat logical to say, well, I'm not gonna buy this six issue mini because it's probably got nothing to do with what's actually going on in the main titles, and mm-hmm. I'll keep buying the main title. And then if but, the mini's awesome, I'll hear about it, and I'll either get it on the yeah. Cheap but you're con, you're talking about characters that are connected to ongoing series. I'm, well, it's I'm the same thing. For all no, it's our, not the same thing. Gushing, but of all of our gushing of image, many more creators at Image follow the Mignola model, not because it's the better model, but because they're foot the bill, and so they often don't have yeah. that they need. Bull, the, bull, sure, bulletproof but, coffin is going to be six issues. Right, but let's be honest. For as much as we love the quality of work that comes out of Image, the Image books, save for the exceptions, like you're talking about Vertigo losing 20% of its titles. Well, the Vertigo model is far more proven to be a scalable, successful, repetitive model than the Image model. Most Image creators put out books that are great, and they sell for dick, and they make no money. I mean, talk about proof. We all love proof. Talk to Alex. Alex will tell you the truth. They made nothing off that book. They had to stop making it because they can't make money off of it. I've talked to tons of, of image creators that so say the same thing. why are they thing. doing a season two then? 
they're digging because, this because, they, because they, hope, they hope it catches. Yeah, they hope it catches. They had to take a hiatus because they needed to. They needed to get. Um, they so, hope, so they, hope, kinda, they hope. They hope someone. Right, they need to let Riley do another book. Get to get yeah. yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, and the, and the, what's that's what I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Proof was an ongoing, which now becomes a series of miniseries. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. Why doesn't Vertigo do test the waters no, with no, these? But Proof may have been a bad example, but many image many image books are pitched as as limited series, and many many image books sell for Dick. They don't sell at all. I mean, image books don't sell other than a few, mostly Kirkman's. That's just the fact. Mm-hmm. We love them. We pimp the hell out of them, and they're great books mostly. I think most of what Image does is awesome, but they don't sell because, because they're not Eric I Larson's mean, book. They're not Robert Kirkman's book. They don't sell. So that, 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 that's part of the, the the whole mechanism of the direct market. Nothing, but nothing they sells unless it's Viking yeah. doesn't sell. I mean, you know, uh, for all the accolades of Cowboy Ninja Viking, it doesn't sell. For the props of Chew, it really doesn't sell. I mean, crazy, unless six seven thousand copies is selling. I mean, it's not. These are not breaking the. These guys aren't getting rich doing this. They're basically their only hope is that these books are successful enough. Why don't they sell? Why don't they sell? But I'm just saying, like, I don't know that there's a... Uh, if there was a simple formula of put out miniseries and it'll work better, more people would do it. I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that what Vertigo is doing doesn't work. Vertigo works better than anyone that's not the big, the, the two main universes. And, and you know what? Whenever you think about Vertigo and you think about the great Vertigo successes, what do you think of? You, you think well, about stuff like yeah. Transmet and Sandman and... Nope. 100 Bullets. Yeah, 100 Why the Last Man. You, you think... Yeah, you you think about the the stuff that has lasted for you know sixty plus issues, and those are those that I think that that is the strength of Vertigo is to be able to tell these long form yet finite series. And it's San, Sandman the- and Sandman and Transmet weren't even Vertigo series. Well, Sandman well, either, was, either, but either, was either, either was Swamp Thing. But you but know yeah, what? There's the risk. Out what? of all of the Helix books, one survived. Right. One. Yeah. yeah. So Trent, that, exactly. So how how do you know so which what, one is going to catch? You know what? It's impossibly what, difficult. Yeah, Marvel Vince, and Vince, what, DC have books what, that, that get canceled every month, Vince, and they hey, put new books what, out. What's wrong with letting the cream rise to the top? I mean, yeah. we see it. We see it in every other form of media that that we that we enjoy, whether it's TV or movies or, or whatever. What's wrong with, with letting the cream rise to the top? You know, there's really good stuff that maybe doesn't get the, the commercial success that it deserves, the, but the, you know what? The, sometimes sometimes it does. But the, the, what's wrong with it is you get a bunch of unfinished and incomplete series that were either rushed just to get the last bit of yeah, story out yeah. or okay, I, I look at a book like exterminators and we yeah. all know that exterminators ended 20 issues before it was supposed to but you know what that's just the nature of the beast if if simon and tony had been able to tell their story and been given another 20 or 30 issues i think it may have been one of the great comic book series ever to come out of Vertigo. Wow. I, I thought there were some huge ideas that they were working with there, and they had to cut all of the big concept stuff and kind of go for the, you know, go for the, the 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 skeleton of the story. But you know what? That it just it just happens because that book didn't sell. Yeah. Last month when Avengers Week was happening and all the Avengers titles were coming out again, um, that week I wrote my column on iFanboy about, I called it word number one, and I looked up the metrics, and dude, 19% of books that month were number one issues. 
Nineteen percent of the Diamond Three Hundred were number one issues. Fifty-one percent of books that month were either one, two, three, four, or five issues. And over three fourths of all books that sold that month were books that had been out two years or less. That's just the market now. The market's it, it's doing what you're saying, Vince. In a sense, they books get renumbered. Even if books that are in constant, they get renumbered or relaunched. That's just the way it is, and because that's that they need to get people to come back. So they're they're, so, I mean, they're fake ongoing series then. Yes. Yeah. Well, then how new, is that any different a, from what I'm? There's X-Men number one, right? Yeah. Right, but of the twenty some percent that aren't just two years old, a good chunk of those, frankly, are Vertigo titles. And but they're they're the great titles, which, like Chris says, ha- have become fan favorites because they've they've passed the test of time, and they well, were exactly. the ones that are. Compare, compare, you know, you know what another, you know what another, uh, another another way to describe fan favorite is poor seller. Well, true. Compare Vertigo's hit rate to any publisher other than mainstream DC and Marvel. I mean, it's it's incomparable. It's pretty good. But I mean, much it, better it, hit rate than Image. Yeah. Much better hit rate than than Top Cow, which is part IDW, of it. sure. Much better hit rate than well, IDW is doing licensed stuff, but yeah, much better hurt than I do pre pre licensed stuff. Certainly, you know, I mean, much better hurt than Arkea and oh, the boom. like. I mean, I, so I don't, you know, I mean, I guess I'm like, of all the people, I don't, I, I can't question her tactics. It's Karen Berger. She's figured out a way to make a pretty nice chunk of coin for, uh, for you know, uh, books that you know really don't on a monthly basis sell that well. I mean, yeah, there you go. All right, there you go. That's it, David. You didn't add anything to that. How come? Um, because I'm listening to people who know their shit. Oh, that would be Jason. Yeah, not me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said people too. Chris too. This episode of Eleven O'clock Comics has been brought to you by what? DCB Service. That's right. Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. Find all your favorite stuff in the previews at DCBService.com, where you will get huge. Amazingly robust discounts. Wamba. Wamba. Yeah. Yep. On your favorite comics and collectibles. And they bring them right to your door. You don't even have to leave the house. You can be the hermit you always wanted to be with DCBS. They're awesome. In your travels, not many issues left. Read Day Tripper. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's absolutely. It's, pretty, it's, it's pretty stuff. Um, let me see here. Uh, in your travels, uh, listen to iFanboy Don't Miss next week because I talk with Eric <laughs> Troutman about uh, JSA versus Cobra, which was one of my favorite miniseries of last year. And I'm, I want to talk in a couple weeks because I'm not going to be here next week. Um, we're going to have a mystery guest sitting in for me because I'm going to be doing other stuff. Um, but on my vacation, I'm going to read Stuck Rubber Baby. And Good so for you. You love it. Damn. That's a Vertigo book. Not initially. Now it is. Now, it now it is, yeah. It says it. Vertigo on the side. Now it does, but it oh wasn't. Oh, my God. Now, was it even published by it's, DC at one point? It, it's, it's been retconned. Don't even go there. <laughs> uh, sad to say that since um, Atlas is the newest ongoing limited series, I say uh, pick up the one-shot, Namora. By uh, Parker and Pacelli and uh, Rosenberg. I have the uh, variant cover featuring uh, Ramona Fredonart. When did nice. that come out? Uh, last month. Yeah. How so it came in my last shipment from DCBX. How so, the hell did uh, I miss that? Oh, nice. Very cool. Uh-huh. Look at that. Uh, and uh, in your travels, give uh, Avengers the Children's Crusade a try because uh, people have been bitching for years about Alan Heinberg coming back and to write the characters. Years. Back, bitches. And, and Jimmy Chung, 
How can you go wrong? Yeah. I'll read a book for by by Jimmy Chong, but you know, fuck Alan Heinberg. Well, yeah, well, he fucked up Wonder Woman and all. <laughs> what do you mean? He was uh, the relaunch with Dotson. Mm-hmm. Oh, it started off with Heinberg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he for what, like four he was, issues? He was doing Grey's Anatomy. Six. Yeah, six. Okay. He was doing Grey's Anatomy, and he kept not being able to get the book out. So, damn his hide. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Young Avengers. I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was great stuff. So I'll be uh, seeing you all tomorrow at uh, San Diego, right? Woohoo! We'll be oh, yeah, yeah, Dave. Yeah, to all all the folks out there in San Diego, hope you have a great weekend. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure we'll have lots of I, announcements. I've already broached it with the missus. She has said yes to next year, so um, there is a yeah, Renee, extremely high likelihood. All right, I'm good. I'm good next year. I can do that. Nice. I yeah, it's definitely gonna house. Start. I've never gone. Uh, I've I've never. I've always been daunted by the idea, but you know we we. You know, uh, I was I was talking I was talking to Sal. We need that. We need to run a boat. Parts? Boat. <laughs> boat. Like yeah. CPR. Like Captain Stabbing. Whoa, good one. Yo ho! I'm the captain. Oh, All hands on deck. Some of those chicks are hot. <laughs> <laughs> Some pizza delivery videos. Somebody uh, order a big sausage pizza. That's a, that's an <laughs> apostrophe. Yes. Na- Naughty America, baby. Oh. But no, what's what's gonna what's gonna say houseboat and do it in style? Houseboat. Yeah. that nautical <laughs> stuff. I don't know. That's just like well, a, it's, it's, a recipe yeah. for disaster. It really. No, is. no adventure with you guys. Oh, it's not adventure. It's just not liking to be seasick and. Yeah. Trips. Without it's a... not like we're out floating in the middle of the fucking ocean. Doesn't you matter, keep it in, in the dock. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> uh, I don't get seasick all the time, but my wife gets horribly motion sick. Oh, that's not good. Okay, yeah, we don't want to do that. I took a half a bottle of Dramamine on my honeymoon, and it still didn't. First day, oh, I was I was laid out. Yeah, could not Three move. Three weeks till my trip, bitches. Can't wait. Get the flock out of here for a week. There you go. Nice. I told you. <laughs> My okay. anniversary, my 10-year anniversary. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, okay. Hey, everybody, sorry about this chit-chat. We'll be back oh, next week. I don't wish we, we should get to fill in for, for Jason, because you won't be here that week, right? Correct. Will Piper. Oh, I got some ideas. I got some ideas. All right. Good. That's hey, good. we'll be back next week. See y'all. Go have a good time. And yeah. for all you people in San Diego, live it up. Yeah. Send us pictures. Document. People. You must document. If there's cosplayers around, take pictures, because we want to see them. Oh, and one last thing. Shout out to to Alan New Mutant on our forums for fucking bringing the happiness, man. Those those little YouTube videos he did just had me smiling here to here. Gotta give him his props. Yep. yep. Gotta love the new Alan's a good man. Bye. Bye. See ya. Good luck, Mac. Later, alligators.